And we're back. I'm James. This is the Greatest Fan Podcast. I'm Luke. I'm Mike. I'm Brent. I'm James. Hey, James. What did you think of the game last week? It was good. Just good? Yeah. That's a tough critic. Yeah. Except oh, that we're now going to be in the playoffs even if we lose to Montana State. Are we going to lose to Montana State, though? No! Exactly. <laughs> hey, James Madison is 11-1. and one. They sure are, they aren't they? They are. What do you think? Uh, who was your best player this week? Uh, Samari Toy. Yeah. Easy pick. And in the Portland. And in the Portland game, too. You're oh, right. yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks, bud. Thanks, James. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. So an amazing game this weekend, oh, man. My goodness. Yeah. Like the energy was so high all game long. I thought it was such a fantastic it fantastic was. grid Saturday. I mean, I and I I think I sent you guys a clip at one point because we sent it to a few of our uh, um you know buddies, but it was loud. I mean, like there there are a couple times over, you know, my memories of Washington Grizzly Stadium where it's like the the fans that are there get the moment too. I mean, that first drive when Weber came out, and I made a mental note of this because did you guys see what the QB was doing? No. Jake Constantine was waving his arm oh. <laughs> to get to egg the crowd, crowd on. Get the crowd. To get them going. Oh, perfect. And so the crowd's just louder than heck. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just thinking like, holy cow, this is – and it, it, it didn't let up. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, best crowd since 2015 North Dakota State game. Easily, easily. easily. And I really loved the um, clip that you posted on Twitter, Brent. Yeah. I was going to bring it up independent of that. Uh, <laughs> but in the third quarter, after Josh Sandry gets his targeting penalty flag waved Ooh. off and removed, yeah, the crowd was so explosive <laughs> after they waved that off. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we go into a third down moment. And say what you want, but like we have twenty thousand plus intelligent football fans who understand the moment, and they understood how big that was, and yeah. it was that might have been the loudest point of the game. I would say so. I wish I would have recorded when they were booing the referees, especially after they showed the replay. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> holy cow! But I mean, at. it's like that's the special experience that is our stadium because you this this doesn't happen everywhere that you have such an engaged and, and energetic and involved crowd in the game, in every game. And it, it was just a great day to be in that stadium. You know, we've been taunting one of our fellow uh, Big Sky Podcast Network podcasters a bit this week about this topic, and we're not going to name names because they don't get to be dignified with that on the pod. But uh, um, I don't think it matters at some point. You know, the conversation was, is it the loudest in FCS? Who cares? I mean, all I know is that in big games, when the team can benefit from our crowd being loud, our crowd gets loud. And at some point, not being able to hear is not being able to hear. It doesn't matter what the decibel level is. And I can tell you, Weber could not hear. Like no. you saw them trying to change plays a couple times and the running backs coming up and they're trying to like shout any trouble in each other's ears. And it's, I, I love it. I remember seeing in the NFL that 
someone did an analysis on like false start or delay of game penalties, mm-hmm. legal procedure penalties. And there was two stadiums that had like what they were calling a crowd factor. And it was Arrowhead, mm-hmm. Kansas City, and then Seattle. Yeah. And like Mike said, I, I could give a shit where it le- where Wagres ranks on decibel level, but it matters. It would be on the list of FCS yeah. <laughs> arenas that can cause chaos. And I think it's all due to the, I mean, the intelligence build up by our, our fan base and the rabid fanaticism. You know, I think that's something that's underrated, and I'm sure we're going to get made fun of for this, but the fans seem to get, like, you're quiet when we're on offense, you're loud when we're on defense, mm-hmm. which is, I think, an underrated credit of a good fan base. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pay attention to the game. Yeah. I went to a Stanford-Oregon Thursday night game years ago Marcus Mariota was quarterback for the Ducks I think it was a top 10 matchup and it was in Stanford where I was at a a realtor convention in San Francisco where we were last week Mm -hmm. and a lot of the fans had not a lot of context of what was going on in the game they knew it was a big game they knew it was going on but it it was was fascinating being in a Pac-12 stadium with with what maybe should be presumably one of the more intelligent fan bases in the Pac-12. But, I mean, it, just that that knowledge of what's going on in the context of the game, when to be loud, when to be quiet, when to, to charge up the team outside of obvious big plays, you don't see that in other places. Not all, not all other places. And you definitely don't see it in pretty much any other stadium in this conference for sure. And I like how Bobby mentioned in the press conference that this team had a complete week of practice. They prepared excellent, and they played excellent. They played their first complete game yep. when it mattered. And getting into the game, Weber starts off with the ball. And Weber tried to do the Weber thing and establish the run. They go for two yards. They go for six yards. And on a third and two, we stuff them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Wagriz is loud. And that leads to... The snapper skipping some fucking some some stinking rocks. Stinking oh. some stinking rocks. Hey, we made it six minutes twenty three seconds. <laughs> I dropped enough phone. Oh man, we're really we're trying to not swear on the podcast so that you guys can listen to it more freely at work. We'll get better every week. We'll get better every week. <laughs> the cat week is not the best week to try and initiate this. We need to try this for like next year. We play Norfolk State and we open with them, right? Or Central Washington. Central Washington. Great. Great pod to try not to swear. I'm, we're going to start a swear jar. <laughs> we we met one of our big, one of our good fans. He's a great guy. He lives in Great Falls, and he was he was talking to us, and he's like, "Man, I love you guys' podcast, but man. I, I must be a little bit older because I just like out of nowhere, boom, there's an f bomb, and it's like, holy cow, people don't talk like that." <laughs> <laughs> we do when we're drinking beer and talking about the football. So we're doing our best. Well, so uh, there were some people who predicted this game to be, uh, you know, low scoring. I mean, mm-hmm. it would be a reasonable assumption that this would be a hard-fought, low-scoring game. But here, after um, Weber uh, gives us a five-yard punt out of bounds, <laughs> blocked by third-string quarterback Garrett Graves. Garrett Graves. <laughs> <laughs> also wide receiver yeah garrett graves yeah. receiver quarterback special teams extraordinaire well uh then three and a half minutes into the game 
after Montana's first uh, drive with the ball, we've got seven points on the board. Sure do. How did that touchdown happen, Brent? Um, it, the Grizz, it, what's interesting, so Weber's defense, we knew that their front seven was was a very aggressive, very dangerous. But as other teams had shown, even North Dakota the week before, secondary, a little suspect. And so um, this was actually something, if you watch it again and you, you see a little bit of talk on it, a little bit of a unique and a different set for the Grizz, but a couple of crossing routes and, you know, they kind of forget to guard Samori Toure. And he's wide open in the house. Easy score, too. No one was even on him. It was pretty easy touchdown. And uh, it kind of felt like you felt like maybe it was going to be a tough give and take and push and pull. And especially we were talking about this, and I think we went back and looked like most all Grizz home games, they trailed. The, the opposing team would score or mm-hmm. would get up on them before. And not in this case. And suddenly, like, it definitely – the, that fir- those first few series, three and out, block, punt, touchdown, it's like today's going to be different. It yeah. just like immediately you could feel it. And, you know, we didn't probably do a good enough job of talking about this last week, but that first touchdown going up 7-0 seven, seven was monumental because seven points is the most Weber had trailed by all year. Yeah. Even in their losses. To FBS schools. Yeah, they had never trailed by more than seven points. So we immediately score, punt back once. Then they get a field goal, and then, you know, Ture has his second touchdown, which was 79 yards. So I think now's a good time to point out uh, Rosenbaugh and Pease and whoever else draws up the offensive game plan deserve a lot of credit because Weber is a good defense, and they saw some things on tape and were like, we can beat them. And you heard Hill after the game, and he's like, no, they didn't They didn't do anything that people haven't done. It's like BS. Like, <laughs> you you haven't given up two 60-plus-yard touchdowns in a game to anybody all year. Like, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> Hill kind of was getting on my list of coaches that I, um, you know, they're good, but I don't think they give the uh, Washington Grizzly its due. Well, you, you, you told me, you said this to me after the game. That he he um the our our friends on the Montana Mint podcast played a, a interview with him I think from Media Days yeah so in July and they kind of asked him you know the same old and I get it like coaches probably get sick of hearing these things but the same old questions about like how loud is it and how do you prepare to play at Washington Grizzly and all that and he's just kind of like you know it's no different than any other place I mean we've been to we're we're gonna play at wherever they played this Fresno year and, and Nevada and you know and those are Not loud Fresno. and those are San large Diego. places and you know <clears throat> it's no different we just gotta prepare for it and what I would what my biggest takeaway was is it was clear from the first series that those guys were not prepared for a physical Montana team in this stadium. And I think maybe the, what he's confusing it with is the last time and the only time I think Jay Hill has brought a team here, it was a Bob Stitt team. And that, those teams were not the same level of physical. Yeah, that was uh, 2015. Yeah, <clears throat> That's what surprised me the most about this game was Weber's a physical uh, punch-you-in-the-mouth defense. And in all phases of the game, the Grizz like brought the fist to their mouth. Oh yeah, they yeah. got beat the heck up, and you could see it on on defense. Like our defense came out hot, and the first four drives that Weber State had, 
they didn't have a first down that didn't come off of a third down conversion. Like even when they converted to first downs, we made them work for it. They had to get every play, every yard. We gave them really nothing for a very long time in that game. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't see that coming. No, I didn't at all. I mean, I think that <clears throat> we talked about it a little bit. Weber doesn't have a good offense. And, you know, their their star running back um, was in concussion protocol. He played, but he clearly wasn't himself. But I think part of that's because the first carry, he got leveled by um, Gavin Robertson and then Howe. Robbie, yeah. Yep. And it was just like he bounced around, and he, like, kind of limped off the field. And I was like, he's done. He's not coming back. And he, he got, came back. He got off the field okay, and he collapsed on the sideline. It's like I, in that moment, thought – Whatever doctor cleared him from concussion protocol shouldn't have. Shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah. just say that. Let's just leave it. <laughs> yeah, I it was it was it was refreshing because I think and I would even say even during the in the Delaney years and a little bit of the flu grad years as well too, I don't think any of the past three head coaches we had between Bobby's two stints here, there was such a focus on physically imposing and physically dominant play. And last year's Grizz tried. It's not that they did not try. It's just that they weren't there. And we keep hearing from Bobby that he was thinking we'd be there next year, but it's already showing that, I mean, if we just took a team that has lost only four conference games in four years and has been semifinals and quarterfinals and was had not lost an FCS game yet this year. And we had them down 35-3 at one point, and they're tapping out. I, I mean, it, it just that, that buy-in and the physical nature, they did not expect that. And we surprised the hell out of them. And it, it, it's great to see. It, it's it's going to be fascinating now. We're going to talk about it as we keep going, but we've got another one facing us now with cats up ahead. But uh, it's great to see where it's going. It was um, interesting. So we we interviewed Andrew Schmidt, and we were we're gonna play that for you at the end of this podcast. Um, and then I believe I think we're gonna release it later in the week as a standalone too. So if people want to listen to it later. Um, don't hold me to that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, we asked him. One of the things we asked him was, you know, what in in year two, what are you seeing? about this team that reminds you of the Bobby teams that were so dominant when you played you know, the first time. And, and he kind of said that he, he said, I'm going to extrapolate on a little bit, but essentially, you know, Montana's not ever going to get the same caliber of athletes across the board as a Sac state or, or California school or somewhere else might get, but you can control for variables like toughness and conditioning and how hard you work, you know, and it's like if we can fill our roster and our depth with a good mix of kids we recruit from everywhere and Montana kids who might be overlooked and maybe they're not going to be the best athlete in the world, but you know what? They're going to kick your ass. They're going to be tough. They're going to be disciplined and they're going to buy in. And that's, I mean, that's, I think that's a pretty accurate description of what's going on right now. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you guys think? So we, we go into the second quarter up 14-3 <clears throat> and we score, you know, pretty quickly again. Go into halftime 21-3. What are you guys thinking at halftime? 
people are saying to me out of the tailgates, we we just we need we need one more score, we need two more scores, and this is over. And I'm in agreement. Uh, And you look at it in hindsight, and we technically didn't even need to actually score anymore. But it was a rare feeling to have a halftime lead against a really good football team that we thought was, well, was higher ranked than us coming into it. Uh, And just knowing that we got them. And so I was, I was feeling great. Um, It was, it was, it was quite the change. I can't remember the last time having that kind of feeling sitting at the tailgates in such a big monumental game and just being like, yeah, we got them. Because I remember we talked about this before. There was that 2017 Eastern Washington homecoming where I think we were up in a similar type of score or something. I think like a 28-7 or a 28-10. I can't remember what it was. But everyone's like, oh, we're going to beat Eastern Washington. We're going to beat them. It's just like, I don't know. No, we're not. Like, watch this. We got it. We got to play more game. This is this is trouble. And it turned out to be trouble. Like this, like you just confidently felt like this ain't it. You see, I was nervous. I mean, oh. like, <laughs> I'm the nervous guy. I wasn't nervous at all. Dude, I was sweating. <laughs> and maybe that's just because I get to sit inside. But, I, you know, I'm just rubbing this in. Um, I'll tell no, you what, it was damn pleasant. Our modus operandi is to start out slow yep. and finish strong. And instead, we start out strong. And I'm thinking, well, w- there's no reason to suspect, like, we won't get into the second half and you know, finish strong, except for this Eastern Washington game you're talking about, except for all of the games we took leads into last year and then, you know, failed to hold on. Mm -hmm. And I thought this would be the greatest test to that pattern that we've known, you know, maybe recently. And so I was super duper nervous. Um, But as it turned out, like, I only had to wait 22 seconds into the third quarter (laughs) (laughs) to maybe like catch a breath. Well, it's funny because I, you know, because they 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 kind of shut us down in the second in the second quarter. They started to figure us out. They sacked Alton a couple times. So I had quoted a Sean Rainey tweet and was like, because he said, you know, he said just that. I was like, yep, they need to make some offensive adjustments to get a few more points to get a cushion here. Even though, I mean. Realistically, Weber's not designed to come from behind. No. But, you know, they score on the third play or whatever, and it was like, yeah, the adjustment was just more to Ray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, we come out, we get, we get the ball. Um, you know, Malik Flowers returns at 21 yards. Uh, Dalton hits Torre for 13 in the first down on, on, on the first play. Then Nick Osmo gets a handoff for two. And Dalton Sneed goes back to Torre for 59 yards, another slant, and he takes it to the house again, and the Grizz are up 28-3. to I, I mean, how awesome is Torre playing? He's the best wide receiver in the Big Sky. Which is bold, because on this podcast this year, we've said Sammy Akem is the yeah. best wide receiver in the Big Sky. Yes. I, 1A, 1B, but I really, I it's like, I, I mean, I believe they both are. And it's like, it's a shame that they're not both going to get first team all conference because, frankly, I, there is no one on any team we've played that I would take over either one of them. No. I mean, I'd love to have Jeff Cotton in our rotation, but I'm not taking oh, him yeah. over Akem or Torre. Torre. Yep. 
Yeah. I think that's 100% right. I mean, Touré has 1,052 yards and 10 touchdowns. Uh, Brandon Porter with NAU does have 1,048 and nine touchdowns. I mean, Jeff Cotton has missed a few games, but he's at 9-11 and five touchdowns. I mean, you've got a – you got a guy on a four-win team for NAU just catching a bunch of passes being slung out there by Cookus. And then you got Samori Toure, who's in a system where you have Sammy Akim outside of the last couple of weeks and Jerry Louis McGee in a Hauk-run offense where, yes, they pass a lot, but the design is always to slow the game down and, and establish some run, too, mm-hmm. where NAU does not run the ball at all. Um it's it's been it's been it's been really impressive to see Smore last year where two years ago he was like Stitt's main guy in the offense. Um fast forward Hawks first year and both Samore and uh Keenan Curran had pretty rough I mean Samore better, but like I think didn't he only have two or three touchdowns? His his year last year was kinda iffy. Yeah. And I recall, you know, you, a couple of message boards, ex, message board experts, not myself, but others, uh, saying that Samori's going to lose his job to Mitch Roberts. He's going to, he's, or you know, there was the fear of we might lose. You know, he might transfer out. He might just, you know, start fresh. It was just such a rough year. And then he comes out and just puts together what we're seeing. Um, I mean, what was, uh, who was it? Um, He's rapidly approaching a, a single season, regular season record, isn't he, with his yardage? Ture? Yeah. He's got he's got to be getting close. Well, I mean, he went over a thousand yards in the regular season, and uh, Jamal Ant- Anderson, what? Jamal Jamal Jones, Jones. Jamal Jones, why? Jones. Jamal is a whole different guy. Yeah, um, was the last guy to do it, um, and his touchdowns are uh, the last guy to do it was Ellis Henderson the year before that. Yeah. Um, but you think before that and kind of in the regular season, I mean, he's he's got to be getting in rarefied air. Uh, yeah. Um, we got one more game to go. So if he can have another 200 yards and three touchdowns against Cats, <laughs> yeah. that'd be great. So it's interesting, and, and, and somewhere I heard this. It might have been on Tatel and Nuanas. It might have been somewhere else. But they were talking about they don't think it's a coincidence that as Therese had these big games, Jerry Lou McGee's been kind of quiet. And they said that they think what it is 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 – they're both such weapons that the defense is picking one to eliminate. You think they're choosing and trying to um, uh, think they could shut down the other one, and it's an interesting problem for them to have. Well, I really liked um, Clicksby on Twitter gave mm-hmm. an amazing analysis of what he thought would happen in the Weber State game. And if you guys don't follow, it's Clicksby, right? Yeah. Yeah. Josh Clicksby, right? Yes. Um, if you guys don't follow Clicksby, I think he's a must follow. But he mentioned how, like, he thought Jerry would be a huge weapon in this game, stretching the defense laterally. And it's interesting. It'd be fun to see on film if Weber thought, like, that's what the Grizz are going to do and took him away. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense, knowing the slants are wide open. If there's no one in the middle of the field, you know, are they hedging towards Jerry? Are they trying to take away that weapon, knowing a chem isn't around? Mm-hmm. But Torre, it turns out we have Torre, <laughs> and, and what do you do? And like, that you could be right because Brent, didn't you say in your write up that last week that 
you thought that Jerry Lumigi had to have a big game? Uh, this com- upcoming game. Yeah. Oh, this upcoming this game. This against okay. Scats, yeah, yeah. Um, could, I mean, that would make sense. I I'm, I just looked at, um, according to Grizzly Athletics, um, he is, Therese's 2019 receiving total is currently the eighth best in UM history hmm. behind Scott Guernsey's 1993 total of 1,079 yards. Hmm. Um, Jamal Jones had 1,217 yeah, in the 2015 right season. Yep. That would include playoffs. Two playoff games. So... I mean, what's going to be interesting is he's going to have some playoff games too. So, so Jones well, Jones at this point had nine seventy, and then after the CAC, he had a big CAC game. So he finished his regular season at one thousand one hundred and two, and nine touchdowns. Mark Mariani's number one on the all time list. Yeah, with one thousand four hundred and seventy nine, and his stats include the playoffs as well. Include the playoffs. Yep, include four games four, in the season. Correct. That's, that's the 09 yeah, year. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, he's Tori is right up there. <laughs> I mean, we'll see how far it goes. But I, I mean, this is it, it, what I just what I really enjoyed seeing out of him is just you, you see these guys. I, you just kind of love those like rebound stories, you know. And since since the Sacramento State loss, and especially the Portland State game where Sammy Akem gets hurt, and Samore's got to be like the guy. Uh, he's really risen to the occasion. You know, I wonder if in this week's game and maybe any future playoff games, if teams are going to now have to like say, Torre can't beat us. <laughs> and then Jerry's going to do Jerry things. I mean, that's that, and that's that was kind of the, the point. It was like, we've got, uh, we've got to see other guys are going to start to see um, more opportunities. Speaking of that, how great was that Mitch Roberts catch? Oh, my God. Um, it was awesome. Like, I loved Mitch Roberts' catch last week. We talked about it. How I thought it was the best. That guy is clutch. He outdid yeah. himself. I mean, he he is going to be fun to watch the next two years as they work him in his offense. He went and high-pointed that ball, mm. came down with it. Oh, my gosh. So, it was interesting because a couple people on Twitter pointed out to us, like, it's a lot like his brother's catch against same North Dakota spot, State. Same, same spot. Same Jeez. whatever. And then and, and and Bobby at QB Club tonight. It's the only thing we're going to tell you about QB Club this week. <laughs> he pointed. He brought it up. He's like, be careful. He's like, that's just that's just like, you know, his brother's big catch when when we beat North Dakota State in 2015. Yep. Yep. And I thought that was kind of cool for a couple of reasons. But um, uh, that's your that's your weekly QB Club call out. GoGrizz.com slash QB Club. <laughs> it is so worth joining, guys. It's been such an enjoyable year. Um, look into it. If you've got questions, you can call Dan Ingram at, at Grizzly Athletics or probably plenty of other people. And Call Mike or me. We can, we can yeah. talk. That's true. Actually, if you're in Missoula and, and you're uh, interested in it, you should reach out to us. We can. Yeah. You Every now and then you can, to help you, out. you can bring a guest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Roberts, it was funny because he had a he had an early, early drop, which – Hard to say it was a drop. It was a pass was behind, behind him. him. Yeah, I mean, it hit him in the hands, it was but it was it, it was it was a nice design on a play. It just didn't work out. But after that, just showed more of the same. And it was kind of funny because I think yesterday I kind of got to thinking about it. And of course, the one guy of the receiver core that's graduating is Jerry Louis McGee. And so, okay, Gabe Salzer is going to rise up and take it. And it's like we return Samari, we return Sammy. Are we really going to keep Mitch off the field? And so it's it's an interesting. What are you going to do moving forward? Now he's he'll just be a, a sophomore. <laughs> no, he is a sophomore he's now. A sophomore. So he'd be a junior. But uh, 
but it, next year's passing game is going to be impressive. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have, I mean, there'll be some four receiver sets and I imagine there'll be some sets where it's, you know, yeah. him and not one of the other guys. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I, I yeah. imagine what you'll see is that he'll regularly spell a chem and Teray for a series of You time. would think. So yeah. Like, he'll get his. It'll be hard to keep him off the field. Yeah. 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 Um, Jace Lewis also had himself a day. Well, so both Samora and Jace make the Root Sports Player of the Root Week. Root Sports Players of the Week. But. How many tackles did Jace have? 150. <laughs> 16. He had 150 in one game. Yeah. <laughs> it was incredible. He broke Dante's record in one game. In one game. See, I, it just filled me with so much joy to see him uh, play like he did. He played like an All-American on Saturday. And I just... if. If Grizz fan pod listeners wanted to go back, um, they would have heard two years ago Brent and Mike talking about this eventual come out. Like, and he's been he's been out all year. Oh yeah. Um, so no surprise, but they saw this coming like before you know I did before a lot of people did. Um, I I don't know why he wouldn't be like preseason All Big Sky Conference player next year. If he's not, MVP. it's BS. I, I, I mean, mean, he's fifth in the league in tackles right now. He's so <laughs> damn good. He's so quick at reading yeah. the play, develop. I just He met the running back in the backfield like... Once per the stats. Once per I'm the teasing. stats. <laughs> but he just is d- no, a disruptive no, no, force. No, he is. He is. And he's really... Because now, now Dante keeps doing what Dante does. But, I mean, Jace is... Again, Jace, this is eerie uh, parallels, but right, didn't he lead the team in tackles against Portland State as well too? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's like you're just seeing this like ascension where, again, people are keying in on 33 a little bit more, and 34 is making some plays. Yeah, you know, the other thing interesting uh, defensively, Mike said we we're going to talk about nothing else at QB Club, but one thing, one point that I, I can like. also make because we you, you get a little bit of film study, um, both. Inter- uh, two, I guess there were four interceptions total, correct? Two interceptions were thanks to, well, kind of thanks to Dante Olson. <laughs> he is not credited with any sort of pass breakup, but there was the crazy one that like bounces up in the air multiple times. One yep. that like bou- it, it bounces off receivers' hands, and Dante tries to catch it and flips it up in the air. And then what was the second one? He tipped the ball that Governor. He Our t- boy, he four interception, governor. Yeah. So Dante on the Dante comes through on the blitz, and he's the one that slaps it up in the air. And so it's just like, again, you know, play that doesn't go anywhere in the stat book. But but these two linebackers, I mean, best combo in the conference, easily. And the way they're playing, I mean, yeah, I love that governor caught that because you know the the, the team knows that we got a fat man interception, and if it's gonna land in anyone's hands, like. I don't care how, like, I don't think that there are any selfish players on this team, but if there was a selfish player, it's so fun to get a fat man interception that you would almost give up your own pick yep. to get a fourth fat man interception. 
So Bobby showed it at QB club. And then he's like, you got to look at the other players reactions. And he's like, they're got like some, it's like Fouch has got like his hands on his head. Like, Oh my God, he got another one. (laughs) Well, and after he picked the ball, they're all holding up four. Four, And he's like running to the sideline and holding up the four. So excited. It just gives me that feeling. This is a team that just loves each other and are excited for each other's successes. We should see if we could get Bobby on record to answer whether or not uh, Gubner is now eligible for the DB award at the end of the season. <laughs> Leading the team in interceptions. Yeah. You know, another, um, another, another fat guy moment that we just barely missed was on that two-point conversion that oh, didn't happen. Oh, boy, OD. OD, he got robbed of a two-point conversion. I don't think OD's fat, but yeah. He's big-boned. <laughs> Oh, he's not missing meals, Mike. Oh man, I believe Bobby at the QB Club said OD has the ultimate dad bod. So. Oh man, he's got a dad bod. <laughs> I got nothing. Anyway, <laughs> I have never seen Hauk as mad on the sidelines as he was at the refs on that play. Do you think because he didn't get flagged by the refs, he might have had a legit complaint? I think that it's probably gray area where a bunch of them. Uh, you could see that play ran a hundred times, and it probably only gets flagged fifty, and it's probably one because you know it's it's the whole the whole like guys being on the line of scrimmage is almost arbitrary. Like it's like it's all up to the ref, and it's like because you know you could have five guys on the line of scrimmage, but they're not in a perfect line because there's no line. Well, I wonder if a receiver checked to you know to the sideline judge. I doubt it. And then the sideline judge didn't tell him whether or not he was on or off or said he was good and then threw the flag. Must have been something. And it was yeah. like, like, ask, like, jerk. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if you, you know, you got to tell our guys if they're on or off. Like, yeah. if you don't tell them that, how the heck are we supposed to know? Yeah. yeah. Like, I kind of wonder if that was what it was. Yeah. I mean, it was, so it wasn't really explained on the field. Apparently, it wasn't explained on TV at all. It was not. No, ever. I mean, I, I was in the booth and yeah. they couldn't tell. What the and so, it, yeah, it was a procedure, is what they called. And so, but. And they were still pretty excited about Therese's touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I get it. You know. Yeah. yeah. Wound up not mattering, fortunately. Yep. Which, yeah. So. Because that, you know, that moment was the most they'd trailed by all year. So. Not not anymore, but <laughs> so one thing that really like jumped off the page to me was we ran for 129 yards on them, mm-hmm. and they were you know kind of grinded out yards in a way. I mean, Knight actually had a good a good yards per carry. Osmo was a little bit more. We're 3.8 for the team though, but I, I, it was great because it's like it's one of those things, and we talked about it. We've taken this for granted, but it's like. We kind of said they weren't running well against them during the game as yeah. we were talking to each other. But then it's like you look at the stats and it's like, hey, they got over 100 yards. And you know who wasn't running well was Weber. You. <laughs> 69 yards in the game. Well, going into the game in conference, well, against conference opponents, I think Weber was giving up like 82 on the ground. Mm-hmm. So and, that's, a good, that's a good one. And we went for one, 129. Yeah. But... If you remove the, we had we gave up two sacks for fifteen yards. So, mm-hmm. like if you want to take those out of the analysis, like we had a gain of one forty six, right? Yeah, yeah, we really went like one forty something against the number one ranked defense, rush defense in the league. Like 
I I think that is indicative of maybe something that might happen this weekend. I think we put enough up against him that Montana State became statistically the number one rush yeah. defense. In the yeah, they, they bumped him down. <laughs> yeah. um, it's interesting because Weber's D-line coming in, we were told, was just as good as Sachs, which may or may not be true. But I think it's also credit to the offensive line that they had a hell of a day. And, I mean, Snead got sacked twice pretty quickly in consecutive back-to-back series. Mm -hmm. But there was three total sacks. And I I think, well, it says they got three. But then you pull up the stats, it says we only got two. So, Oh, no, only two. Yeah, they only got two. I mean, so they got Snead twice. And that was it. And that was it. And and so, um, yeah, I think, again, more progression. This this O line is 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 just getting better each game, and we're ru- running on what was statistically the best rush defense, and so more good things happening. Yeah, I mean, it it's fantastic. Like I I, I don't know what else to say. Like it was, <laughs> you I was anxious for that game all week. It felt like one of those old playoff game weeks where it's like this team that's really good is coming in, but. This Grizz stepped up. I was telling people all week, like, you know, don't get too down if we lose this game. Like, it it wouldn't extinguish our playoff hopes. Like, you can't overreact to any one game. Um, You know, just kind of bracing for what could happen. But, shoot, when when this team fires on all cylinders, I think it might be just as nasty as any team out there. Yep, yep. Um, Another player, Patrick O'Connell, another player. One and a half sacks. So he is now sitting at six and a half, leads the team. Um, this guy is a rising star on this team. And he he's just continually fun to watch. And he just keeps making bigger plays and bigger moments. And uh, Patrick O'Connell is, is just one of these guys that I think it, it, he had a couple, I think, QB hits and some pressures as well, too. Just seeing more of these young guys make plays on defense, and in a spot where that kind of edge rush, whatever the hell you want to call it, buck or whatever, mm-hmm. um, where it was a little bit of a non-productive position last year, it's become it's become our sack leader, yeah. as it should be. I, I just the the D line progress from year one to year two of this Hauk era is just it, I I can't even begin to be excited. I, <laughs> I'm excited about our D line <laughs> for the next three or four years. Like, I mean, because you think like McGoran might be one of our best D linemen who red-shirt. they are redshirting. He's going to play this week because he's got one left. Yeah, so they saved him for the Cats. But it makes me so excited because it it leads me to believe that you know for a long time Montana felt like defensive end to you. Like mm-hmm. we produced yeah. some yeah, stars. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't an accident. <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> yep. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe this is what we do. And especially in today's game where there's a lot of spread, there's a lot of pass, it's critical that you yeah. can bring heat with your front four because you need those linebackers uh, in extra pass protect- protection. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. It just gets me giddy. You know, it was interesting. So it was senior day. And just kind of watching all those seniors come out. And don't get me wrong, there are a handful of seniors that are major contributors that we're going to have to replace. You know, Sneed, <laughs> Dante Olson. Yeah. But I mean, I, you know, it's like you feel like you see it air apparent in some of these positions. Yeah. Jesse Sims. But the biggest thing that struck me is how few of those seniors 
were the major contributors. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a lot of seniors that are role players, and that it. Don't get me wrong; that's an important part on every team, and that's. I always enjoy seeing those guys who stick it out all, all four years, even if they're not. It, maybe if college didn't work out exactly the way they hoped, because everybody comes in thinking they're going to be a star. The dude, yeah. But we have got a young, talented team. We really do. And like you said, it, it feels like most all positions have an heir apparent. And that, that's like that's the wild thing. Because sometimes it's like, well, this year, even this D-line, it was like, who do we have? What are they going to do? Who the hell knows? And now it's like Angel Villanueva graduates. And Ganong is going to just jump right in. In fact, he's played a bunch. And so the way they're, they're building the progression in this team is, 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 is really exciting. Yeah, and I think like even like Cy Sermon who's playing center for the first time in his career. career. <laughs> is, is I mean, I don't know how to grade offensive linemen. Like, you know, like you see some awesome Twitter experts who actually do this professionally. Right. I don't know how they would grade him, but I, I think he's probably at least average. And, like, if you can, if you have the experience at coach, at coaching, to teach a guy who's played four positions in his career to be yeah. like to come in and like say you're a senior, you're strong, you're highly intelligent, mm-hmm. you're bought in, you're tough, you know, you're mean as hell. Like, yeah, yeah. If you can get average play out of those guys and then like above average play out of some of your like heavily recruited dudes, you're gonna be in the conversation every year. Absolutely, yeah. You know, my last takeaway too. The thing I just love. We talked about a little bit last week too. The the infectious energy and excitement of Dalton Sneed. And I think was it the first deep touchdown? It was like hands like yep. in this like Superman run thing. It looked like do you guys remember in September when there was that like we're gonna storm area fifty one? <laughs> yeah. Do you the Naruto, that? Naruto run. But that was yeah, the arms behind. The him, arms dude. behind. Yeah. So they had like all these animations of people <laughs> storming area fifty one. So instead of the arms like directly behind and straight, Dalton had this like charging bull stance with his arms out front, like two horns. Yep. I was I want that on a t shirt. <laughs> and then, you know, the the third quarter to fourth quarter transition and Sneed is like bringing the you know, and he is he is so excited. And they feed off like they feed off that energy and they definitely feed off his. And he looked a little bit more he looked a lot more like himself. Uh broke out of that rust against Idaho. One of the picks was Pretty damn unfortunate, but a little, little questionable with a little PI maybe going on around it. But it's, it's you know that that judge threw a lot of PIs on Grizz defenders and, and not a lot on Weaver defenders. But like, it is what it is. I don't think it was a, I mean, it's like if they're going to call Tiki Taki PIs, call them both ways. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. About <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have no replay to bitch about this week either. Well, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we won, and yeah. I'm just happy. <laughs> um, do you guys have anything else to say about that Grizz game? Um, yeah, the ref that threw the flag for targeting <laughs> it should be suspended for a week. I mean, like, I sit in the north end zone, and I could clearly see that it wasn't targeting. I mean... Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. And I was curious how many people have started watching the guy in the yellow vest over by my seats confirm calls. Oh. Have you guys... Remember we talked about this? I can't see him. Yeah, but I can't see Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's okay. there. All right, well, let's move on. Yeah, we got um we we could go on about Weaver forever, but 
we got we got stuff to do this. Week. Yeah, I kind of want to talk about their injuries and how Jake Constantine got beat up, but let's go on. Ah, poor Jake Constantine. <laughs> I hope he's okay. That was that looked just rough. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, do you want to quickly talk about let's, the rest of the Big Sky this week? Only talking about maybe playoff teams. Yeah, let's only talk about the team, the Big Sky teams that matter. And I think right now that's there are four Big Sky teams that are going to go to the playoffs. Hey guys, Southern Utah beat NAU. No, I'm sorry. Damn it, Brent. So, Sac State destroyed Idaho. Destroyed them. Destroyed them. Montana beat Weber. Montana State beat UC Davis. That's all that we care about this week from the Big Sky. Any takeaways from those games? Kevin Thompson played for Sac State. Which is a big deal. Um, pretty marginal stats, but I'm guessing if you're coming off whatever back injury he had, it's probably eased the guy in. And I would hope. Who better than the yeah. Idaho Vandals? And so um, I pulled that box score. Um, just kind of slowly pulled away. It relied a little bit more on defense and run game. Do you guys we I haven't we didn't I didn't ask this question before the pod, but do you guys want to talk at all about playoff scenarios or get into it at all? I mean I think I think a little bit, yeah. Okay. I think this is the time. For a good synopsis, actually, I I don't know why I did this, because I'm so freaking excited right now. <laughs> but I went to Bobcat Nation Ooh. and there's a guy that posts we talked, I, about, a we talked about him last week. Yeah, yeah. cat print. Yeah, cat print. He, every week he he has a phenomenal breakdown that makes you think that he's got the rule book out in front of him, <laughs> uh, like you know, comparing against the stats. But uh, go go check out cat print on Bobcat Nation. I also enjoy his write ups because he is not a, an irrational cat fan. He acknowledges <laughs> that the Grizz team is actually good this year. That's, yeah. nice. That's nice. So yeah, I mean, he does a good job. We I I'm all for that. Um, so this week, what do we have? Sac State plays Davis, which, I mean, you got to think Sac State's probably going to win, but if Thompson's not all the way back, I mean, Davis has nothing to play it's for. It's in Sac. It's in Dav- Sac. Davis, Davis in a must-win game last week against the Cats. Sure At didn't home. look like yeah. they were playing in a must-win situation. I don't know. Man, what happened to them? That's for another pod. Yeah. And then Weber plays... Idaho State. Okay, so that's going to be a close game. Man, it's in Ogden too. <laughs> I mean, Weber could score fifty. Although, here's the that's thing: that's how bad no, Idaho can. State's been playing. If Weber, if Jake Constantine is out, hey, oh, Jenks shit. looked okay. Shoot, they lost. Oh, maybe a quarterback, uh, two running, backs, two running backs, a wide a, receiver, a corner, a corner. Like you know, the wide receiver was their elite return guy. Like mm. they basically have to replace. Yeah, they, they, they all their skill positions. They should not come out of Montana healthy. Now they're going to beat Idaho State. Someone tweeted at me and said, "If Idaho State beats Weber, Weber should not be allowed to go to the playoffs." <laughs> but here's the thing: we want Weber to crush Idaho State. Yes, because we want that win to look as good yeah. as possible for us to beat the Cats and then get a three seed. Yeah, I mean, I really, I mean, truthfully, I don't want to see any athlete injured. Like long term, you know, like I hope they all return. I hope it's okay. That said, if Idaho State wins this game, I think the Grizz should be credited with the wins. <laughs> 13 wins. Yeah, like, regular season. There should be an yeah, asterisk in the Idaho State record book that says they didn't have any skill position players. 
Left. Left. Yeah. I was so annoyed when um, the backup QB, what was his name, came in. Jenks. And, and they Threw scored two, two garbage, garbage touchdowns in the fourth quarter against our second and third string. A freshman. I mean, we were up 35-3. to three. They took Snead out. They put Cam in. And it was just like, I know that that's the way the game goes, but it was so annoying because you know that there's people who looked at the box scores and were like, oh, that was... Oh, it was you know it was closer. Yeah. It was decently close. We were, we were it was around. not. It, it was wasn't. not. They're freaking game managing the clock while we're running <laughs> three dives and punting. Yeah, like that. I don't. know. I didn't love that. Um. So let's talk playoff scenarios for one second. Then, if you know, you kind of brought it up. So kind of now is the time. I mean, if if the world ended right now today. I mean, not the world ending. If the season ended right now, today, damn, no one's <laughs> wow, no one's what going it to the playoffs. realistically looks like is it seems like North Dakota State and James Madison are locks for one and two. Mm-hmm. We should talk about that though. Um, they're locks. The Grizz, I they're ranked number three. I don't see anybody who has a better resume than them. My concern is that the committee is going to be like, well, we should make them a four so that they can match up with North Dakota State on in the West in the semifinals. That's my. That's my. That would be my annoyance of the current. My annoyance is that I think we have a better resume than JMU. I I actually. Why are we number two? And it's JMU like, has no FCS losses. But who have they beat in the FCS? Like the CAA no is not That's, that great. Just because this year. they started ahead of us and didn't lose doesn't mean like the committee can't say, "Wow, well, this Montana team is actually pretty nasty, and they have the." Hardest FCS schedule in the nation. Like, I would venture to guess that the, the Weber is going to end the year ranked higher than anybody James Madison played and beat. Yeah. They're close. I mean, Villanova's right there, but because Villanova's 10. But yeah, they will. They will. Unless, yeah. You're right. But I, I think you're right. With re- regionalization. Montana's going to finish with win over Weber, and if they take care of business. Best case scenario, win over the Cats. Both of those guys are top 10 teams the weeks they beat them. I mean, there's an argument that the Grizz should get the two. They won't, but there's an argument there. Yeah. Guys, James Madison, though, plays the Rhode Island Rams. Oh. I have no idea their record. Can you name one player? We will do that some. Came from Rhode I will at some point this week. I'll do some research <laughs> and we'll tweet it out from the Grizz fan account on just like what their what the Sagarin ratings of their opponents are. Oh, boy. Yeah. Lamar no. Odom played for Rhode Island. <laughs> Did he really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so, anyway. The Kardashian. Yeah. I, I. Yeah. It, tough to say. Tough to say. I uh, think you look at the, the vote margin, and right now in the stats, FCS top 25, it's not like Montana is – 10 to 20 votes away from James Madison in terms of your, your aggregate vote. So it's not going to happen. I, I wouldn't think, but, but understand the argument and, yep. you know, but the other thing too, right now, Sac state is four. And so regionalization, three of the top four teams are in the West. So I, the thing more than the regionalization concern that I see is if they look at, okay, you know, let's let's lay them all out and look at it. Okay, you got NDSU undefeated. Yep, they're the one. James Madison. Let's just say that assume they beat the mighty Rhode Island Rams and they're eleven and one. Okay, they're two. Okay, then we got Montana. We got Sac. Montana would be ten and two. Sac would be um, 
nine and three, but Sack beat the Grizz. And so we're just we're just and I know Sack lost to Weaver who lost to Montana. But if we're just if they just put the two side by side, is that gonna turn to something where they say, Okay, Sack's the three, Montana's the four? So I I don't think so, and here's why. Because if you if you play that out, then Weber should be ranked ahead of Sack. Yeah. And where I really think it comes in is you've got this weird three-way tie, and in that scenario, the Grizz are going to be the auto bid yep. from the conference, so the, the committee can use that to justify, well, hey, they won the tiebreaker. Yeah, fair. And the Grizz will have one more FCS win. That is true. So that would be my argument for that's that. That's true. And yeah. that's probably the same argument that you could use as to why James Madison might get the, um, the number two over the Grizz. Is one more. They, they would have one more FCS win than the Grizz. Yep, absolutely. I don't think they have any wins as impressive as the Grizz might have two to finish the year. I mean, we beat Davis when they were four. We beat Weaver when they were three. And the Cats are ranked number cats eight, are eight right now. So, yeah. I don't know. You know, It's interesting. And we, we were talking a little conference stuff and playoff. I mean, that interesting outlier and a team maybe to put on the horizon is North Dakota Fighting Hawks. They're going to probably beat Southern Utah, and then they would make finish. Make the playoffs as an at-large. At and so they could uh, make the playoffs as an at-large team. They're they're in the top 25, I think. I think they're 24 or 23. And so they've got – well, I don't know if they really have – signature win against the Cats. Yeah. They beat the Cats. And the Cats are making the playoffs. So they, the Cats they, have eight FCS wins. So the interesting thing is if that happens, I actually think that – I think the the Big Sky teams are locked up, unless somehow Sac loses to Davis. Davis, but even then they'd have eight they'd FCS be, wins, right? Or they'd have seven FCS wins and eight total. They'd have enough. I mean, that might be the one wild card there, but I don't think so. If, like if to so me, Sac loses. If Sac and loses, we and we and and we Grizz win, and Weber, Weber win, win, then the Montana gets the auto bid. Yes. Montana gets the auto bid if if all three of them win this week. Yep. Because it goes to they, they all round robin each other out, so it'll work its way to the Sagarin. One of Sacks wins, yeah, they beat Southern Oregon. So they've got an NAIA win on the record, but they would still they'd have enough. And they'd be top fifteen, right? So yeah, it'd be hard be to in. leave that. They, team they, obviously so they're not getting a seed. What but. I'm saying is is if North Dakota gets in They'd be the de facto fifth Big Sky team, but the uh, the four Big Sky teams are, are in my mind they're in. Yeah, because Eastern Washington, not they're, they're, they're done. They're yeah. done. Done. So done. Um, I think they're if you the also getting votes if you stacked it up, Eastern's like thirty second right now. Mm-hmm. So they're just too little, too late. Yep. And don't and, schedule and such crappy that, uh, games. Freaking Lindenwood. Yep. Lindenwood. <clears throat> well, and not, but Eastern just gave up forty-one points to Cal, Cal Poly. Poly. Like that's you're not getting in yeah. with dressed like that. No, no, you won't. And I, but I, but I will say it's like you know we like to complain about and 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 cat fans like to criticize the Grizz and probably the Grizz criticize cats too for scheduling some of the soft FCS teams that we work into our schedules. But you know what? That's better than a D two or an NAI any day of the week because yeah, those yeah. wins count. They Those count. wins count for the playoffs. So it's like if if Eastern Washington had scheduled St. Francis instead of Linwood, 
they would still have a shot at the playoffs, right? They now. would. They they'd be in probably. Yeah. I mean, with a win. Yeah. 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 Um, I think the other thing that's kind of interesting is if everybody wins and the Cats beat the Grizz this week, I think the Big Sky has an outside chance at four seeds. I think the Grizz are eight in that field. I can see that. And I think they're eight because then they have a home game and then they go to North Dakota State in the the quarterfinals, which would be woof. But I think the committee would see that as a great third-round matchup. Oh my god! I would, yeah. But I mean, don't take care of business, and yeah. you're gonna put yourself in a hole. Yep. So exactly, um, they control their destiny. Weber was three, lost to us, and went to six on the road. Right? Is it six or five? Either way. But so they fell two to three spots. Uh, Davis, when they lost at North Dakota State, when they were three, they went to four. So the voters have tended to be favorable to. Losing on the road at uh, equally team. ranked teams, yeah. so it, it's gonna it's gonna make you a little nervous, right? But it seems like a seven or eight seed would be a situation. It, it'd be South in, Dakota State's in there, so who knows? But yeah. the other thing that factors into the seeding in in the playoffs is they take into account your record, your wins, mm-hmm. and your availability of your players. And mm-hmm. South Dakota State in consecutive weeks has lost their quarterback. Mm. And they're running back. Oh, interesting. So I, it'll be interesting. What I really would like is for Northern Iowa to come here and get destroyed again. Yes. You know, I really don't like their coach. <laughs> anyway, that's probably it. anything more about the playoffs. We're going to know more next Sunday. Yeah, we sure will. That'll probably be our pod next week, yeah. talking playoffs. So we have got a big game to talk about. Um, right? I, I think they call it the Brawl of the Wild, Mike. Yeah, I've never really liked that name. No? Oh, I like it. Um, I was watching some highlights of the 2000. What was the year a yacht drove him back down and they kicked a field goal and the Cats thought they were going to beat the streak and then... 98. And the guy flips up the double birds to the camera. It was like 97 or It's 97 or 98. Yeah. And at that time it was the Montana Power... Classic. Fall Classic. Fall Classic. Yeah. Montana Power. I, I like the brawl. I like it too. The right. trophy is kind of big. It looks like a giant pile of shit. It's <laughs> good. I mean, Don't swear, Mike. It's our one still. Sorry. I'm sorry, Ken. I'm sorry. Scat, Mike. It's called scat, scat when a scat. bear does it. <laughs> <laughs> Brent, you uh, always do a great write up on Egris. Yeah. Previewing the games, a, a game wrap up, even. Um, do you want to go into a little bit about what you wrote uh, for the upcoming week? Yeah, so uh, of course, eager is you can find my uh, my Bozeman State Bobcat scouting report, <laughs> and you know this is. Uh, did you did you notice uh, in our interview that Andrew Schmidt called it Cat Grizz, like I do? He did. Yeah, I'm not oh, petty enough terrible. to care to put Grizz first. I actually get a it's, like a visceral. Order. I have like I have an I have like it just doesn't sound right. Cat Grizz, like it sounds weird. Yeah, I think you're in the minority on that one. I, I just care. don't capitalize the cat, capitalize the grizz. <laughs> it's like people whatever. would say relitter. <laughs> <laughs> I've got nothing. Uh, okay, uh, Bozeman State, uh, Bobcats. So I think it's kind of funny because we we scout teams out quite a bit, but you always kind of pay a little bit more attention to the rivals. 
And so it feels like it's a team we know a little bit more. Uh, these are a, This is a team that they are – what's their record sitting at? They're sitting at 8-3. and three. They're, they're in the playoffs, and what they're playing for this week is to either get a week off or to be playing the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Where Montana, obviously we're playing for a top seed – or one of the last seeds, or maybe maybe not. Just all depends on how the voters see us at the end. So it, it's a fascinating brawl because the last four years of Brawl of the Wilds has been to either cling to a postseason hope or end or ruin a postseason chance uh, for one or the other. And so both teams are in. And what that's what makes this game incredibly fascinating. You got to go back to 2011 where the Cats were number one in the nation, and Grizz were, what were their ranking, seven? Seven or eight or something yeah. like that? Yeah, that was a fun game. That was a fun game. And um, Was it Denarius the senior year? Yeah, it was. I don't know if he was a senior. Junior year, maybe? Yeah. But we destroyed I don't think he, I think he might actually have been a sophomore. Wasn't he like a redshirt freshman in 10 when they came and beat us in here? Look it up. That could be right. I'm looking Look it, it up, up right now. So, anyways, though, this is this is again we talk about biggest game sense, and you know, so once again we've got a top ten. Each team's both in the top ten. Each team's going to the playoff, playing definitely for positioning here. Um, this brawl is going to be a lot of fun. This Cats team, I think we 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 talk about them enough. We know that they are a team where. Their big flaw is they have just been unable to get a quarterback in place. They have a good O-line. They have a good stable of running backs. Isaiah Fonse, who's been hurt, um, had 100-plus yards against Davis and probably is obviously is going to play and good to go. Um, and and so what what's this cat team has kind of found as it has gotten going is this Travis Johnson kid, uh, wide receiver. He was a quarterback or recruited to play quarterback at Oregon, number ten, and he's just a guy we're going to see all over the field. He he does zone read. He's kind of the he's this year's <laughs> model of Troy Anderson in some regards, except he plays receiver as well instead of linebacker as well. Um, big, fast, throws a little bit. He's got a passing touchdown too. So uh, it's going to be one of these games where I expect some trickery coming their way. But uh, but yeah, so it's um, they're going to. So Tucker Rovig's going to be the main quarterback, but Travis Johnson's going to take a whole bunch of snaps. They're going to hand the ball off to five, six, seven different guys. They hand it off with receivers. They have receivers throwing passes. It's it's an offense that this – and this is an offense that – and I, I talked about this in my scouting report. This is my big concern with this game. What's been the big criticism about the Grizzly defense this year? Maybe like secondary, being a little undisciplined, giving up a big play. Mobile quarterbacks. Rolling to the right. Yeah, rolling <laughs> – Mobile quarterbacks rolling. That's been Mike's criticism. <laughs> and it's been accurate all year. So this cat. Rovig's left-handed. <laughs> I don't know. I just made that up. <laughs> um, I mean, that's what this cat offense is. And so this is going to be a game where you're going to see end arounds, screens, zone reads. It's like annexation of Puerto Rico. They're yeah. <laughs> going to pull out all the stops. Not to mention whatever they run for Troy Anderson, because even and though then, he looks a little beat up, they 
keep running him out there. I mean, people were tweeting that Troy Anderson like couldn't move his right arm. But it looks he was like still his like arm tackles broken, yeah. and so it's like you're gonna get you're gonna get all of this. Do you think we're gonna see Troy Anderson? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it would. I can't imagine Troy Anderson hyper competitive. Like, I mean, all Montana athlete. He's playing. I mean, I wish I had a Troy Anderson last jersey. Finish the game. But when you know you've locked up a playoff spot, would you play him here? You know, if it was if they were playing Southern Utah, no. But it's it's the brawl. It's the brawl. You you go right. (sighs) Now you could see something like Weber, where you could get to a point like in the third quarter. I don't think that's going to happen in this game. But let's just say Grizz are up thirty-five-three in the third quarter. It's going to be time. Like Troy's hurt. Fonte's been dinged up. Let's just let's just get these guys ready for next week. <laughs> yeah. Like let's be smart. We got more games to play. But we they're don't need but they're out, out on series one. We don't need to go out guns blazing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I mean, so this is going to be this is going to be a tough thing for the Grizz. And this is the biggest thing that scares me about this game is I think early and probably often through this game. You're going to see, like, Travis Johnson's going to come out there and he's going to hand it to Kevin Cassis, even though he's a wide receiver. And Cassis is going to flip it back to Afonso, who's going to throw a cross field pass to Johnson. And of course, our safeties are, you know, all over the place and it's going to be a touchdown. And I'm, I'm just expecting a handful of, um, some plays that a coach we listen to frequently calls zip zap BS. And, um, and Mike's not paying attention. <laughs> some zip zap BS. Some zip zap BS. The old tomfoolery. Um, <laughs> but it's like, that's this off. They, they got to just be looking at film of these Grizz corners and safeties to just be like, there's, there's opportunity here. Will it be, will it be frequent ongoing? Can we do it quarter one, two, three, four opportunity? Mm-hmm. No one has been able to do that against us this year, but, I just, I, it's crazy. Like the confidence after the Weber game, where Grizz fans were like, "We're gonna just kill these guys. It's gonna be forty to 10. I, I, I don't see that. I think these games are always tight. So the Grizz can pull away. When the Cats win, they win by a teeny tiny margin. When was I mean? I don't think I've been alive to see a cat blow out of the Grizz. Well, maybe I was like when I was four or something. <laughs> they beat us by eight points in Bozeman two years ago. That's so. like the biggest margin they beat us by, right? Yeah. So. Um, this game just stresses me out. <laughs> so here's here's the thing. Clearly, against Weber, the defensive game plan was let them complete passes, keep everything in front of you. They're not going to be good enough to consistently score. And so the thing that we need to remember is if they get a chunk play and they score a touchdown, people just need to not panic. The, the Cats are going to get their big plays. I mean, yeah. Troy Anderson gets a big play every game. Period. And if it's not Troy Anderson, it's going to be Isaiah Travis Fonse. Johnson or Travis Isaiah Fonse. They're going to get theirs. And yep. the, th- the point isn't to win the stats battle. The point is to win the game. Yep. And I think all this stuff about how great their defense is, who have they played this year? Sac State. I mean, Sac State. <laughs> they lost. And they, they lost. And they North like to Dakota. hang their hat on. They like to hang they their lost. hat on. They lost. On yeah. that they only lost to Sac State by 13 points and the Grizz lost by whatever. But it's like, Dude, guys, you guys were at home, first of all. <laughs> different style. Different. It, it's like who, they played Northern Arizona, right? Yeah. Great offense. Scored a ton the of Worst points. defense in the conference, yeah. yeah. 
Now, they would say their defense is different now than it was then, and maybe it is. I don't know. But Sneed is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. Like to pretend like we're not gonna be able to, to move the ball on them, I just don't buy it. I I think the Grits are gonna be able to make their money. I mean, I I think it's gonna be something where. What's interesting? It, well, I I said this. If you look at conference only statistics, Montana State statistically in many defensive categories is better than Weber because of the Grizz beating Weber. So it's like it's it's going to be a lot of the same. They run a different defense than Weber. It's a, not as much like chaos and confusion, but that really didn't work for Weber in a lot of cases. So um, there's a lot of similarities. Uh, Cats, I mean, they've got um, what Kane Ione is back mm-hmm. after a god-awful first stint here. <laughs> but... It's it's it, I saw the, so like on on defense of course they they really like to puff their chest out about their thirty seven Bryce Sterk, who interestingly enough though has massive stats I mean he's got like fifteen tackles for a loss and eleven sacks but in conference play it, it's it's minimal and he got like all these big stats in before conference play and he's been a little quiet since it's a little interesting. But, again, you, you throw it all out for the rivalry. Yeah. You know, I think, I mean, at the risk of, you know, being made a fool, <laughs> I kind of don't think this game's going to be close. Interesting. And, I and I'm a guy who's, like, kind of superstitious, and I don't like the jinx shit stuff. Um, I don't like the jinx <laughs> stuff. Sorry, I'm a couple beers in me, Grizz fan pod listeners. <laughs> Tower 2. It's all right. Yeah, Tower 2. Um I just, I don't think that the Bobcat defense is going to be significantly tougher than the Weber State defense. I agree with that. Maybe, you know, if you if you were to tell me it's marginally better, I'd say okay, that's fine. But I think we're going to make our money, and I don't think what Bozeman does well is going to shake our defense. Mm. Bozeman runs the ball right. They're going to pull out some tomfoolery, of course. But in every game that the Grizz have played, we've either held the opposing team to like less running yards or about their league average. And then if you factor out like the the yards by sacks, I mean it's even a better statistical like interesting numbers. Like yeah, yeah. we're tougher against the run than people think. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I think it's because of the development of our D line, like you just heard us talk about. I think we've got the best linebacker in the country, and we've got Jace Lewis, we've got Robbie Houck and Josh Sandry, and now Gavin Robertson, who are absolute hawks. He was a beast. There are people on Bobcat Nation this week complaining that he should have been thrown out of the game twice for targeting. I rewatched the game. I, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so I, I just don't imagine that they're going to run the ball well against us because no one... No one's ran the bell the ball as well as they've expected to run. I think we're gonna put eight dudes in the box. I think we're gonna like have a safety. I think we're gonna have our cornerbacks on islands, and we're gonna put a bunch of pressure on Rovig and whatever like Jack in the box they decide to pitch the ball to, and they're gonna say <laughs> we're gonna be there in a one and a half Mississippi. I hope you can make a throw. And maybe yeah. we'll get some holding penalties, you know, like you saw Weber attack Calhoun, like 
But that's exactly over it. It's like and over and over. But, but they're going to be chunks. It's not going to be over and over and over and over and over again. Because they're Calhoun's not that smart good. smart enough to say, oh, I got beat on that one. It happens. It's a hard position. I'm going to hold. Whatever. Take your 10 yards. Because yeah. you're going to punt. Because I don't think you could make this play over and over and over, and over, and over again. Yeah. And you know what? If you run a, a stop route... I'm going to pick one of these bad boys off. Like, and I keep waiting for that. Like, I feel like that's going to happen this week. Because it's, it's sooner or later, it's going to happen. And I think that's what we're going to see a bunch of shirt, third and shorts. And I think the Grizzly defense, are they're going to step up in a bunch of them. Maybe they'll the MSU will convert a couple. But they're going to get beat up over time. They're going to have to earn every yard. And I don't think they're going to make any big plays. Like I don't, I don't buy. Hmm. I, I feel like if Weber couldn't make a big play, like I don't think MSU can. And the way that Sac State beat us was Mayor Meyer had 400 yards passing for four well, touchdowns or Thompson. Thompson. Yeah, yeah, excuse me. Yeah, UC Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, Thompson had 400 yards passing with four touchdowns. That's our only loss in the last eight games. Yeah. Like we don't lose to ground game teams. I think we're gonna. Ex- Distinguish the cats. Mm, boy. Wow. I mean, does that make sense? I That's my theory of the case. Because on paper, we should. We should. They're a one dimensional team. We should. Because what have we done to one dimensional teams all year? Shut them down. Shut them down. I just am in, I've got such PTSD from the last three years where we should have beat them every year on paper. How much better are we than last year? We're night and day. We night were up and 23 day. points on this cat team last year we're not giving up 23 points again <laughs> they last year's win by them was such a fluke that they made stinking t-shirts and i swallowed an f-bomb right there mike you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> like that they were so surprised that bobby Houck's first year back with a far inferior team that they won that game, they made T-shirts. We're so much better, and I don't think they're all that much better. They still are one-dimensional. Um, it's still the same Rubik's cube, and I think Anderson is beat up. I don't see it. Man, holy I cow! Love this. I conference. mean, you've got me pumped up, like. <laughs> Oh my god! I was afraid like four weeks ago to go to MSU, but I mean, I I'm I'm chest out, man. I'm peacocking. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, and you guys, you guys don't know Luke well. I know Luke well. He is not a boastful guy. Like this is not like you really believe this. <laughs> I think they're gonna do it. Awesome! I love it. Well, love I know it. we'll be here next week either way to talk about it. So. <laughs> if the Grizz lose, I might not be here. <laughs> well, I mean, but at least we have the playoffs this year, so there's that. Oh, good point. Welcome <laughs> to the Grizz Fan Pod. Luke is on assignment. Luke, <laughs> Luke is on assignment this week. <laughs> I think I think for this game, uh, MSU is going to throw a different defense at us. Uh, you're going to see some stuff where those slant and goes to Toure aren't going to be there as much where that's like so we had brought up earlier like i think this is a game where o-line marcus knight nick osmo and then short quick fun stuff with jerry louis mcgee getting out there making some plays is going to be the big difference and then getting that defense to cheat up and then and hitting some big stuff there so this could be a game where i mean 
I'm going to guess that I think the Cats are going to probably keep safeties up high, like a cover two or a three or something. And because you're going to look at all this film of Toure, like the last three weeks, just kicking the crap out of everybody. (laughs) (laughs) And this is hard. (laughs) Um, Brent swallowed a swear word too. (laughs) We're just trying to give people what they want. (laughs) We are more explicit in the pod stuff. Be better. Be best. Um, Be best. <laughs> but so, but it's like then suddenly it's like guys like Jerry for like short routes and Mitch Roberts, you know, five yards up and out, ten yards up and out, and, and um, Bingham and Deming and some of these other guys like this. Like, I think I think it's going to be one of these games where MSU is going to try to take the top off. They're going to back up and it's going to it's going to leave a lot of field but if this o-line gets going i would i would love this to go the route of like the eastern washington game where they get a little bit they feel a little cocky in the first half but come the fourth quarter they just can't stop us and it's one of these things and i think we'll we roll into that in our interview here with andrew schmidt but it's like come the fourth quarter on offense everything is easy for the grizz that's the recipe to win in my opinion I, guys, it's Monday night. I can't. Like, I was texting Luke. It's like I am having the least productive two-week stretch of my professional career because it's been so long since we've had like exciting Grizz football late in the season, and it's like all I want to do is talk to people in my office about the goddamn. Game. I know. I I spent. I spent hours today with random, just Randy's coming by, like a couple students who are like really into the game. Did you guys see that student who was wearing like what looked like a sports bra crop top on TV? I did see that. It I stood did. out to me because it was like, that's an interesting shirt, bud. That's my dude. He's All right. Like, he's in my class. His face is painted. Like he found out about the pod. You know, Ugh. like I'm just like, dudes are into this and. They just want to talk about it. campus hasn't been this excited in, in quite a while, which is why, and this is a topic for a postseason pod. But a good football team is good for the University of Montana. Absolutely. I think there's no other way around it. Absolutely, yeah. Man, so I want to read you guys a, a, a quote here from Bobby's press conference today. All right, <laughs> yes, says I think about the rivalry game a lot. Through the years, I grew up around it. I think we're really lucky to have a long standing traditional rival. I think it's just a really cool deal that it's been played as many times as it has. It's just a great game, but I also think that the animosity and the bitterness around it is out of hand. It's to the point where I don't think it's healthy. It certainly isn't any fun. And I mean, I know people down there, I've got a lot of friends that are down there, people I've known for years. I mean, their prez is a nice lady. Their AD is a nice guy. I mean, I know a lot of those people. And I just think it's become a little bit overbearing, frankly. So, you know, it's a big game. We're going to try hard to win it. What mind games is Bobby Houck playing right now? I I swear to God, I asked Mike a couple... This is 3D chess. ...weeks ago about, like, like, what would you write in a in a note or a text or something <laughs> to let me know you've been kidnapped. If I got that email from Bobby, I'm calling like the FBI. I'm like, he's been kidnapped. <laughs> the same this Bobby. isn't Bobby's email address. He's been hacked. But I think it's genius because he's going to have the fans on both sides for the next three days 
talking about. Oh, they already are. Is it like, was it legitimate? He's going to rile up the Bobcats and get it under their skin, not the team, but the fan base on like, well, he started it all. He's the worst of it all, calling us the neighbors and Bozeman State and da 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 da. You know, I, you know, you got to give it to Bobby Houck sometimes. I mean, he, he knows exactly what he's doing a lot of the time oh with gosh. the press. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you take it at face value, Mike. Maybe this is I don't new believe, leaf. I don't believe that Bobby Houck has ever said anything in a press conference in this era of his tenure that wasn't thought out ahead of time. You think he's premeditated? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Did you read his other quote about how he can't figure out their mascot's name? Oh, that was gold. That was such a great quote. He got asked, like... Who, who wins in a fight between Monty and Champ? And he's like, I, I don't know, but I don't know. I can't figure out why they named their mascot Champ. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, such a good. It's so good. <laughs> They're like, well, we've got national championships, and you're like, you can't count rodeo. <laughs> Did you know one of the cats' football national championships is a tie? Yeah, and they're counting ties? It's one of their three. It's a tie. Oh, my god! It was like a zero-to-zero tie. (laughs) I don't know. I just, you know, rodeo's a big part of portions of this state, but I just always thought, I mean, I came from a small town, and I just thought rodeo is what you did in small towns when there weren't, (laughs) like, wasn't anything else to do. Right. Like, you don't go to college and do rodeo, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maybe you do. (laughs) So I do think that there's probably a part of the statement that it's like a little bit of like, hey, fans, don't be assholes. You know, we there was something, some loser fan yeah. tweeted, private message, something terrible to a, a Bobcat reporter who was being obnoxious. Yeah. And it's like that, that stuff's embarrassing. It does nothing for the rivalry and it just embarrasses the fan base. So it's yep. like, you know, some of that stuff I think is true. But it's like, I don't actually know anybody who like, hates the people on the other side of the rivalry. I mean, we've all got Bobcat friends. Well, I don't know if Brent does. Um, Luke and I have a lot of Bobcat friends. I have, Bob- I mean, I have Bobcat I know. friends. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like, don't be a jerk. Cheer for your team. Care passionately about the result. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know. If- Key the guy's car. I mean, yeah. but outside of that. I mean. <laughs> just kidding. Do carry not the fungo <laughs> in, the, in the trunk. <laughs> no, dudes, I just, I don't know. I look at this team, this Bobcat team, and I think, you know, you you cut steel with steel, and their schedule is like quilted northern, right? It is soft. <laughs> like, I don't think they've truly been in a fight yet. And we just wounded maybe the toughest team in the league. Yeah, true, very true. I think like you were saying, Brent, and like um, – Andrew Schmidt was saying in, in the interview that we're going to roll, come the fourth quarter, close game, or maybe even at that point a blowout, I th- I think the Bobcats are going to understand, like, man, we played a soft schedule. We haven't played a team this tough yet. Yeah. We'll see. I'm excited. I, I'm, i yeah. You're nervous. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm nervous. nervous. I'm so nervous. I, it's like, you guys, when we pick the, when we pick the schedule – beginning of the season i said i'm not going to pick the grizz until 
they win it because they have to prove it. I've, I'm too burned. And I think I'm still sitting there. It's like the, the, the cats are going to win this game until the Chris proved me that they can. Hold on. All right. Now let's do the picks. Can we just talk about the game more first? <laughs> Can we do the picks right now? Let's do it. Let's pick. Grizz win big. What's what's big? I mean, I said Weber ten plus last week, so <sighs> my so while you're while you're researching there, I picked Grizz twenty four twenty one. Um, I just and I I had people kind of jump on me say the Grizz have only scored less than thirty twice, Oregon and Sac, but. I just I think both these defenses it's going to be one of these ones where it's going to be like seven to three at the half kind of thing, and then kind of then the game gets going a little bit. But it's supposed to be nice. Yeah, like forty and yeah. I think twenty eight ten. I think you know the Grizz benefited by some mistakes from Weber. You know, especially on their punts, they skipped some rocks. Yeah. Um, we busted a couple loose, right? Like if you want to say Montana State doesn't. You know, doesn't have these give us these short fields by turnovers. Like right. maybe we score a few less points, but I think, I think that sounds right. Twenty-eight okay. ten. Okay. Okay. Boy, we cover. <clears throat> so Luke, big. You have ruined my night because I came into this with my full intent, full intent, <laughs> to stick to my the cats are going to win pick. Because I'm so burned. I'm so burned. But you'll be so pumped up. The Grizz are going to win this game. Of course they're going to win this game. Yes, they're going to win this game. I mean, of course they're going to win this game. It's kind of like we talked about this last week. Um, I, actually, we didn't talk about it on the pod, but it's a great point. I talked about it with my neighbor at work, you know, because that's what you do. I feel like everything that Bobby's been building towards in his second, you know, second stint here was building towards a game like last week, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. A bigger ranked team comes into Washington Grizz, and they kick their ass. And you know what else those teams of Bobby's first era did when they could beat the, the beat teams like Weber? They destroyed the Cats. Destroyed them. Destroyed yeah. them. Yeah. This team has been on a mission. They've given revenge to everybody who embarrassed them last year. Everybody. They know what's at stake. They know what's in front of them. These seniors are so pumped. They are carrying this team on their backs because they've never got to experience something like last week. Right. And they want more of it. Yep. Because they came to Montana because you come to Montana, you get to play in the playoffs every year, and they didn't get it. Mm-hmm. They know they're not overlooking them. They're going to kick their ass. <laughs> yes, they are. I mean, I, I mean I'm... I, I'm goosebumps. I'm, tr- I'm goosebumps. Look I at this. Chills. Man, chills. <laughs> I, I mean, I just, you know, it's, it's easily 10 plus is what I'll say. Easily 10 plus. Easily. They're, yes. kick, they're kicking their ass. Awesome. Oh, my God. God, I'm so pumped up. <laughs> I'm just going to listen to this part over and over again on my drive over. Do you guys want to go to Bozeman tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> just stalk around the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to clog a few toilets on their campus. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a plan here. He's got a plan. It's amazing. Man. Amazing. So I'm uh, I'm pumped. Oh, um, God. Anything else we want to talk about Cat Grizz? Or Grizz, Grizz Cat. Cat. The Grizz Cat. Either one. Either one. Um, I'm excited. It's going to be I mean, it's gonna be a great game. Uh, hey, guys. Tweet us 
uh, at the tailgates. We want to meet you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you listen and you guys want to get a beer and talk about the game. We're going to try if we can work out the details to let you guys know where we're out getting a happy hour on Friday afternoon, mm-hmm. late or early evening. If, if, if you're in town, try and find us. Um, Couple yeah, guys, a couple guys. A couple guys have already said they're interested. Sam Herder, who covers um, the FCS for Hero Sports, is going to be in town. Um, uh, maybe try to get somebody from the Big Sky Conference there. So we're not buying your beer; you're buying it yourself. But <laughs> you know, we'd love to meet you guys. Yeah. So perfect. Um, let's do it. Um, you want to talk? A f- take a few listener questions. Let's do a few questions. All right. Well, I got Egris up in front of me, so uh... okay. Why don't we start there? And we're not going to take them all this week, just because. This is a long pod, and we've got yeah, we're sitting on an Andrew Schmidt interview to put on to the end of this. So, uh, Everett Grizz asks what James is getting for Christmas. Well, <laughs> I'm hoping that it's like new Grizz stuff that he can wear to Frisco. This question is: Is are you going to blow the money on a trip to Frisco? <laughs> <laughs> and Everett is also wondering what the over under is on the uh, Bobcat fan march out of the stadium across the field. Uh, Referred to by many Grizz fans as the Bobcat Trail of Tears. I think that a lot of them don't come back at halftime. Man, that's great. Uh, let's see. Do you have the Twitter ones up, Mike? No, but I can in a second. Okay. And so, a couple of these, yeah. So, wondering what the bracket looks like for the Grizz playoff wise. I'd kind of said keep an eye on North Dakota. I think that's a that's a matchup that they'll. Try to position us for. Yeah, I, I think we have to earn our way out of that because I the committee would love that matchup. Yep. Okay, Cody Cleave asks us, you're going on a fishing trip to Fort Peck. So it's a long drive. Yeah. And all your friends bail on you. So you have to take one of the following three coaches, Paul Petrino, Mark Farley, or Jeff Choate. Who do you take? Well, first of all, I hate Mark Farley. <laughs> so <laughs> he and I not gonna do well in a car together. I'd take Choate. I'd take Choate too. He'd be entertaining. I, it, it, Paul Petrino. Ring the bell. I don't want to talk to Paul Petrino. I mean it's Choate by default. You know, I, I heard independently from, you know, some random guy who happens, you know, to have spent some time with Paul Petrino that he's actually a really nice guy. Oh. But on a fishing trip to Fort Peck, <laughs> I want a fun guy. <laughs> and I kind of get the sense that Choate's pretty fun. See, Choate it seems like the guy who you're going to drive by something random on the highway on the way there. And it's like, dude, we got to stop there and check out whatever random tourist attraction is in this dive bar. Yeah. You know, you're, and he's going to have stories and he's going <laughs> to know people. And interesting yeah. side note, I'm apparently distantly related to his wife. Oh. Never met the man. Bobcat spy. I've never met his wife. We have a spy in our midst. Um, Going to but quarterback it seems club? Like, it seems like we can, oh we can talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, CDA Grizz with his usual interesting questions. The Grizz are guaranteed a trip to the national championship game this year, but you have to date a minor for a year. Not a minor, M-I-N-O-R, but a minor, M-I-N-E-R. <laughs> like somebody who mines. Who mines. Oh, good. CDA gets to Holy choose. Holy crap. <laughs> I guess, like, oh, when I first read this, I was like, oh, Mark explicit now. <laughs> CDA says he gets to choose the minor. Are you taking the deal? No. <laughs> Wait. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Take one for the team. Oh man, we, I'm already dating with a Grisado for the team, guys. What <laughs> yeah, you guys you are get? married. Yeah. I'm the only. I'm the only unmarried man. I'm doing it. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, Rats of Butte asks us uh, a serious-ish question, uh, asking, "So let's say Grizz get the number four seed and end up in Fargo in the semifinals. A little bit of honest thoughts on how we see the game." Playing out if we end up against going to NDSU in the semifinals, I think that the outcome will be somewhere between our 2015 games. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that you know, Coach Houck was quoted in the paper this week as saying we're about a year ahead of where he hoped to be, and I think that we would not be embarrassed, but I just I have to think that we're not quite there yet. I yeah. mean, that. I think we'd be in it for a bit, but they'd probably just. Yeah. But I mean, I think it'd end up being. I think that's true. I think they're a better team right now. Yeah. We wouldn't I mean, be how... embarrassed. Yeah. I think this is, of the recent NDSUs, this would be the one you want to face. Definitely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. A lot of young guys. Uh, okay. Get them, Grizz. Ask us what your favorite Grizz cat memory is. I think that my favorite is. Um, 2011 when we just destroyed went there when they were number we went one there and destroyed them and um that was that was a lot of fun i don't think i went to that game if i'm recalling right i went to the one before that but that one because they were number one in the country i mean and it was going to be one of those things where they it, well, it was so great because ESPN had already scheduled them to be on the um, the the, the, right. the, sh- the yeah. selection show the next day. <laughs> so, you know, because they were going to get the number one seed. I mean, they were going to be the number one seed in the playoffs. Yeah. So then when the Grizz destroyed them, so then they're still on the selection show, and it's like this kind of laid back room. <laughs> I mean, that one was great, but there have been so many. I mean, so many. I, the... Lee Newspapers did a, a big Cat Grizz section this yeah. Sunday. And Greg Rochuk, or however you say his name, wrote an article that basically said last year's Cat Grizz was the best ever, which I think what? is just just <laughs> reeks of recency bias. Sure. But, I mean, it's hard to argue for a Cat fan that it's, yeah. it's not. Oh, I mean, I, yeah, you know, it's like coming back from all that down and stuff like that. But it's like... You got to give it some time to breathe because, like I mentioned, the the yacht game where it's like the cats thought they were gonna, they finally they scored with twenty eight seconds left or whatever. They're gonna end this streak. Then they kick the ball out of bounds. A yacht completes a couple passes. Chris Hepner kicks a field goal. The Grizz are going crazy, and the Bobcats and the stand like they melted down. Like yeah. it was like lost their mind. They yeah. lost their mind. Yeah. So it's like. That's my favorite game. That's the 98 game. I was mm-hmm. also young enough to be super impressionable. And, like, it was the craziest stuff I've ever seen at that <laughs> point. Like, you know, it was, it was awesome. 98 game was fun. I like the 2008 throwback game, too. Just the su- yeah. element of surprise and putting it to them. The steamroll. Yeah. 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 That was a fun one, too. But both those two games were right up there, too. Uh, Mrs. Maroon asks if something we kind of touched on, if, you know, Cat fans, as you actually interact with them as human beings, actually seem mostly like good people. Is that a 
Should she yeah, continue? I, I, I think I've said it. There yeah. are a couple of cat posters that I enjoy That's reading. Fine. Yeah. See, I just here's here's the the interesting hypothetical is like the who asked that question? Du Bois' mom, Mrs. Maroon. I oh, think. Mrs. Oh, Mrs. Maroon. Wrong, wrong yes. poster. Mrs. Maroon. Like the problem is, is you can't tell them. They walk among you most of the year, right? <laughs> like, and so I just imagine like you go on like a Tinder date and you meet one of these folks, and you might go on a couple dates before like you really find out where their passions lie and you think you got a spark and then it turns out like oh my gosh like you're a third generation like cat so that's fan a, like what do we do it's crazy that you bring that up right now i've got a, a young guy that works for us in our office and he's a young real estate agent and he's got i've never met her seems like a nice girlfriend um and we were talking today about the game and Turns out this this gal's father, I think, played for the cats, oh. and so they were at a wedding this summer, and the dad wasn't there, but like one of his friends was there, and he comes up and introduces himself, you know, says hi to the daughter, meets the boyfriend, and figures out the boyfriend lives in Missoula, and one thing leads to another, and it's like, oh, you're a Grizz fan, and he's like, wait a second, so and so's daughter's dating a Grizz fan? <laughs> this is huge. <laughs> It's a real thing. Right? A re- oh, it's, it's <laughs> happened, you know, like all over the place in this state. But, you know, you really got to look in the mirror and say, like, it's just as easy to fall in love with the Grizz fan, right? <laughs> man, there's almost. Yeah, uh, oh, man, I could get in so much trouble having this conversation. So we just got to stop. Okay. 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 <laughs> uh, Diesel asked a funny an interesting question that uh, play out the scenario. Grizz beat MSU and Monmouth wins and locks up their conference. Monmouth will finish as a higher ranked team than the Cats. Which game is a better quality win for the Grizz? Yeah, they yeah, won't, though. I mean, I, I, the Cats are still a better win than Monmouth. Well, I will tell you this. If the Cats had Monmouth's QB... The cats would be awesome. <laughs> they'd be undefeated. Yeah, they'd like, be great. He is legitimately good. So it's like that's actually a better win than some of the guys like Parlay want to give the Grizz credit for, even though it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Soldier Grizz asks if you're uh, if uh, he says daughter, but say one of your children gets engaged and plans a wedding during Grizz Cat game. Do you go? I think we would all say. I would tell my daughter, I'm not paying for your wedding if you schedule it during. <laughs> A Grizz home football game. Yeah. What a well, psychological game. That's something only a daughter would do. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know if you love me, Dad. We'll find out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be tough. You go, I, obviously. You go to go, the wedding. Of course. You go to the yeah, wedding. Yeah. Just, you know, have a little Bluetooth earpiece and listen to the game. I just, yeah, <laughs> I mean, like halfway through, like one of the yes. prayers, you're like, whoa. <laughs> Mother, of, mm. yeah. uh, um, that's Egris questions. All right, well, there's others, but we'll maybe get to them later. Yeah. Um, let's see. Larry uh, Transgrid on Twitter says, "With the Grizz at nine and two and ranked in the top five, is Angstrom Gate officially over yet?" <laughs> and my answer to that is no, because don't get me wrong, I'm all about having a great Grizz football team, but enrollment needs to start really rebounding before we can truly say yeah. that. The end of the Angstrom Gate era is upon us. Look, you're an employee of the university. You don't have to answer this question. Just, just stare at the floor. Luke left the room. 
He's not here right now. No, it's not over yet. No. Come, it's, come it's, find me at the tailgates. I'll talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Luke Rounds, one of our one of our best fans. If you need windows in South Dakota or North Dakota, he is your guy. Okay. Just so you know, um, he is. Look at his Twitter account. Okay. No, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, looking at the bracket, after we take care of the kitties, we should get a three seed. If my math is right, that puts us on the same side of the bracket as James Madison, who I think is beatable. Your thought? We kind of talked about it, yeah. Well, I mean, I'd rather have James Madison in the semifinals than North Dakota State. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think James Madison has been tested like they would be if they played this Grizz team. I agree. And vice versa. Yeah. I agree. Um, you could argue they might be tested by that point because they will have presumably played a couple of top 15 teams in the playoffs. Yep. But we'll see. It could be something if you, you like being on their side because they're probably more beatable. And so it might be something where, I mean, it's crazy to think about it, but you could have the path to the national championship through Missoula. Well, let's just throw out a little you know, bit of trivia here. When was the last time... The Grizzly football team won on the road in the semifinals. James Madison. James Madison. Who was the head coach? Same dude, right? Or... Bobby Houck. Oh, oh, sorry. I thought you were oh. talking about James Madison. No, no, no. Yeah. I don't care who James Madison. Yeah, I don't care who James Madison's coaches are. <laughs> um, that guy went if, to Virginia Tech. If a chem comes back, is this the greatest set of four wide receivers we've ever had? A chem, Teray, JLM, and Mitch. Rank those four. First of all, I mean, a chem's coming back. Like I, whether he comes back this year or not, I, this is a weird question. We kind of talked about this. Like you got to find catches for Mitch. I, it's tough to say, but I think that Akem and Teray together are the best two we've ever had as a duo. Yeah. So if you put other people with them by proxy, I think that that pulls up. I think. Um, I I think it's too early. Even if Akem came back this year. Kem, Teray, JLM, and Mitch. It's it's far too early in, in Mitch's career to say. Right. I mean, we're well, excited we, about him. but The 99 year, you know, we had like Jeremy Watkins, E2 Molden, and Tanner Hancock all at the same time. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty tough three. I can't rem- I don't know who the fourth was. Hmm. But, you oh. know, like you kind of have to go recent. I mean, I would say more likely than not, Yes. Just because mm. when you get before the Don Reed era, we weren't passing as like a football culture like we are now. So, but in the Don Reed era, we had a combo where it was Matt Wells, Mike Earhart. Oh boy, Raul um, Pacheco was Pacheco on that. He was on the ninety-five through ninety-eight teams. Guernsey, Guernsey was in there, and I mean. Some of those Don the the Don Reed groupings they and Joe they, Douglas was a ninety five guy Joe Douglas was but yeah just some of those earlier years with with Cockhill Wells Earhart and and Guernsey and Pacheco and some of these other guys but that was an offense where they all got a lot of passes but I think I I got to go back to that and say it, it, it's tough to compare tough yep um, <clears throat> Eric eleven rule five draft. <laughs> um, his handle. If you could go zero and eleven every year and obviously miss the playoffs, but beat Bozeman State, or go eleven and zero every year and get a high seed in the playoffs, but lose to Bozeman State, what do you pick? I'm taking the high seed in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I you heard you heard uh, you'll hear Andrew Schmidt 
in our interview, maybe say he might go the other way. <laughs> but, I mean, you take the high seed in the playoffs. It's too fun. Um, because some of our best games ever aren't with the Cats. They're in the playoffs. They're in the playoffs. It's like App State. And well, like and we are, we are not the fan base that hangs this whole season's importance on winning one, one football game. All right. Has there ever been a D lineman anywhere at any level of football <laughs> who had four interceptions in a single year? I mean, I'm sure there has been, but I think we should punt this to Eric Tabor to do some research. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's crazy. That, it's insane. Um, that was from Thomas Martin, a Grizz fan. Uh, Jonathan Claxton, what's the magic number of points needed to win this game? 30 seems like more than enough. The Cats will score a time or two on trickery plus another couple times on sheer will. I can't see UM scoring less than 30, but that's why we play the game. Go Grizz. I think he's right. I, I don't think we score less than – well, no. You just picked I just 28, picked 28 yeah. <laughs> the magic numbers, if we score 14 points oh in this game. <laughs> really? I, I don't think they're going to score by trickery. <clears throat> I don't think that they're going to move the ball all that effectively against us. Hmm. Yeah. I, We're going to force them to have to throw the ball. I th- good luck. I think you eclipse that 2021 point margin for the Grizz, and you could be moving into a situation where it's getting pretty damn tough for the Cats. And like he says, I think if Grizz get over 30, uh, yeah, 100% chance. 99.9% chance, I don't know. but It's crazy because I just think like the Cats are a legitimate top 20 team in the nation, but they're so flawed still. And they're flawed at the most one of the most key positions in in football. Yeah. Quarterback. And they're beat up. Yeah. And, and not that not that the Grizz aren't beat up in certain spots, but yeah. yeah. You just I mean <clears throat> you can't not have a crucial piece over and over and over again and it not catch up to you. I right. find out. Um, a follow-up from Jonathan Claxton. If the Grizz lose, gasp, and Weber and Sack win, would there be four seeded top eight Big Sky teams, or do we get the boot? If we get the boot, I would hope we get routed to South Dakota State or Illinois State. I think we still get seeded. I think we're number eight in that, but I think it could go either way. I can see it going either way, but no poor loss. you know. So it's not like we... Lost yeah. to a team that's not going to the playoffs. So, and you look at say. some of the other teams and that would be in the running for that eight seed, and we're we are we'd have the same record as a lot of these teams, and then we'd still have a win over one of the seeds above us. Weaver, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's it. Okay. I feel like I feel like we're in a good spot here. Yep. We've got uh, the Andrew Schmidt interview that we're going to want to play afterwards um, when we wrap up here. But guys, any more thoughts about this week? FTC. Ah, nah, just excited. It's the biggest day in Montana sports. Um, so, yeah, I don't I'm, know. I'm just all smiles this week. This I'm pumped. It's going to be fun. I'm pumped. And, you know, you're, if, we're, we're not kidding. If you're a fan, tweet at us. Um, if you're going to be around, love to, love to meet some of you guys. And, you know, even if you're a cat fan, I mean, good conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we are going to tag um, our great Andrew Schmidt interview onto the end of this for your listening enjoyment. Um, but uh, 
if you Luke, you got something else you want to yeah. add here? Andrew Schmidt, former Grizz player, mm-hmm. played on some amazing Grizz teams. Um, and we ask him all sorts of questions ranging from various topics, but he's got some wonderful insights about Cat Grizz and, and his time with the team. Uh, Bozeman native uh, who jumped the divide to play for us. So it's worth a listen. It's and worth a listen. It was fun. If you get to the end of that and you're disappointed that we didn't go longer, it's because of all you guys pressuring us to stay under three hours. So thank you. <laughs> it's going to be close. It's yeah, going to be, be close. All right. If you know us, we'll see you sooner. We hope to see you this week. If not, we will talk to you next week. Go Grizz. Fight on. Fight on. All right. Hey, we have a, it's a monumental moment in the Grizz Fan Pod right now. Um, it's the first time we've had a guest not sitting with us across the dining room table. And uh, who better for uh, Bozeman State or Cat Grizz Week, or whatever you want to say, Grizz Cat. I knew Brent was going to correct me on that. <laughs> uh, then uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Andrew Schmidt himself, played for the Grizz from 2004 to 2008. What else do, what else do our listeners need to know about Andrew before we uh, I tweet a lot. <laughs> he is a prolific tweeter and a fun fact about Andrew is that Bobby Houck follows only 17 people on Twitter and one of them is Andrew Schmidt wait really? Holy shit. hot damn Andrew, I had no idea what, why is that? I, I have no idea see uh, I've, I guess former players maybe I make them laugh um, I was always kind of like the class clown when I was playing um, always making jokes and I don't know, maybe he thinks that, but that's funny because I like part of Twitter, no one goes on Twitter to be serious, right? Like no, no one's looking for serious <laughs> stuff there. Everyone just kind of wants to be entertained and look at like cat memes, you know? So like I try to just make fun of things as much as possible. And one of the things that's easy to make fun of is the current, you know, administration and Bobby's very conservative. So if he's like there past me making fun of Trump, like obviously he likes me, I think, <laughs> or he just finds it funny. I don't know. That's, what, to really, ask him. that's what really confused me is like, you tend to lean left a little bit. And we <laughs> yeah, all, a little bit. Bobby's got a mega hat in his garage or something. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> this pod is not political. You guys can vote for whoever you want. And be Grizz fans. There was no value judgment on this, Mike. <laughs> Shut your butt. Yeah. So uh, I have a theory on this. It is they follow you because you tell more stories than anybody else who's played for him, and they're keeping an eye on what the hell you are saying. I, I, that might be right. I, I don't know many of my former teammates that will say the stuff that I do, mostly because I don't, I don't really care. Um, <laughs> and it, you know, there, there's a lot of funny stories to be told. So uh, I, I don't think that um, I've come across someone who will tell these things like as freely as me. But I mean, rest assured, there's some stuff that I will never say. There's, there's some stories that I just don't need to see the light of day. But the ones that are funny um, that are not going to cause any harm, you might as well tell them. I think it's fun for the fans to kind of get a glimpse of what goes on inside of a program. And it's, it's not as stuffy as you'd think. Like, guys just let loose a lot and playing football is hard. So you, what you do is you, you have fun. And the, those stories I think are fun for a lot of people. So speaking of stories, before we get into cat week, you do a story that I think is just hilarious. And I don't know if people have heard it before and, and I'm going to butcher this, but I want you to retell it. There's some story about Bobby making some 
some guy run the stadium or run the stairs. Here's <laughs> like point to the spot, and it's like that's where so and so. Garth Anger, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Garth Anger. Uh, <laughs> still remember the name. Um, so yeah, what Bobby would do is uh, spring ball would be segmented. It would be back then um, two weeks on, then you'd have spring break. And then you have another two weeks of spring, uh, spring ball. So, you know, you'd have winter conditioning up in your first two weeks of spring ball. Everyone would go on spring break and just get wasted somewhere, Vegas, whatever, what have you. And they come back. And then that first day he'd make you run stadium steps. So what you would do is you'd run, I think it was like 20 one tens. Um, so you'd start at the back of the end zone, run all the way through and it was just continuous. Right. Um, and then as soon as you were done with that, you had to go up one side of Washington Grizzly Stadium, like one aisle, and then down the next, and then up the next set of stairs, and then down the next, all the way around. Well, apparently, this is the year before I got there, uh, uh, Garth Anger was like, he started some games for the Grizz. Yeah. He was like a starting center. Uh, and he played, he played, but I think it might have been an injury relief. But Bobby, I wouldn't say liked any of the players that Joe Glenn left behind. Not a lot of them. So, <laughs> so he uh, wanted to run them into the ground, you know. And one of them was Garth. Poor, poor Garth. Uh, he got around one side of the stadium and then just uh, sat down on like <laughs> uh, right kind of by the north end zone. Just kind of sat down and then just left. Just took off. And... <laughs> <laughs> and Bobby would memorialize it every year by saying, that's where Garth Anger went down. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, you didn't want to be the guy that quit like him. That's kind of a Bobby thing. So we're, we are, um, you know, almost two full seasons now into Coach Houck being back on, uh, you know, running the UM program. And obviously you, you, you followed along even when he wasn't here and you, you, you know, you were a fan of the team beforehand. What mm -hmm. uh, what are you seeing in this team this year that you recognize that's familiar to you and maybe kind of if there's anything that surprises you? They're, well, I don't think anything surprises me. They're, they're disciplined, right? Um, they're tough. Um, you know, that, that looked really familiar. Like one thing that Bobby does is that, like, you don't do conditioning drills at practice, right? practice should be hard enough to where you get conditioning into practice. Like you should never walk anywhere. You should run in every drill. You should run to every drill. The only breaks you get are like during when you get water and then you have to run to get water and come back. And then if you're on the sideline, not doing the play, you better be paying attention because if you're caught not paying attention, you're going to, have to do push-ups. you know? So everything is attention to detail and it's toughness. Like, Bobby will break you down and break you down and break you down until you think you can't do anything anymore. And then he'll build you back up. And those first two or three years that you're under him in the program, they suck, man. Like they, they are really hard, but then you get to be an upperclassman and then you realize that everything was for a reason. And you start getting in the fourth quarters of games when you're just beating on a team for three quarters. And then the other team just quits and you're like, wow, this is easy. You know, I see a lot of that coming through in Bobby's team now. I mean, I think they're just a tough, disciplined team um, full of guys that aren't going to quit and they're going to do every th little thing right. 
And that's what Bobby preaches like every day, every day in the off season, every day during the season game day, it's all the same thing. Um, and you can tell, you can tell the team's a lot better than last year and hell of a lot better than two years ago. So what, what could you, what would you characterize Bobby's most underrated strength of the, as a coach? Like what separates him from other coaches in the big sky? Um, look, every, every little thing matters. Um, I remember, <laughs> I remember I had a law school professor who someone asked him if something mattered on the test and the guy said, everything matters in life. Everything matters. That's, that's Bobby, right? Every little thing matters. So like underrated thing about him is like those not getting a penalty so you can get a first time, first down that, that matters. Not, not fumbling or turning the ball over in the red zone. That matters, you know, hidden yards on special teams, which he has like a special category for on his special teams board. Um, being able to flip the field, you know, doing everything right playing penalty free, like it, it all adds up to the end of getting a win. So like when I played, everyone would like a lot of people would call us lucky. Like, Oh, you guys got lucky that you snuck out that game. Like, no, no bitch. We didn't get lucky. <laughs> like, like we, we practiced, you know, like we were drilled so that we wouldn't do little things that got us beat. And I made this comment on Twitter the other day. It was like Sac state for the longest time, always had athletes, better athletes than we ever had, and they could never win because they were the most undisciplined team in the world. Um, they would never do anything right, but damn, did they look good getting off the bus? And they, they had great individual numbers at their pro days, but they could never beat us because they were trash when it came to discipline and doing little things right. Bobby, he's not gonna let any of those little things go, ever. Ever so, so, so that's what he's good at. Seeing some of these uh, similar traits manifest in the team that we have now, can you identify any differences that you've seen in Bobby and, or the teams that he's produced now from when you came through the program? Um, from a philosophy standpoint, um, I think it's the same. I think it's a hard-nosed, disciplined team. From like gameplay man, they definitely spread the ball around a lot more than I'm used to, right? They had like, a, um, um, Hauk and, and Tim Hauk was in town last week. And so on the screen, they always do this mic'd up moment with one of the coaches on one of the timeouts. Mm-hmm. And it was Bobby and Tim sitting there talking during practice. And um, they threw the ball on third down and Hauk commented about the softening of the program. <laughs> Bobby did. And and um, and Tim Houck was like, Rosie just completely tunes you out, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I, I mean, man, Bobby is like a two running back, three tight end, pound the ball, run it every single down type of, we're going to be a smash mouth team. Uh, and then I think like in his first run, like I don't think people realize that fantasy came from uh, Cal Northridge, right? Where he came from the run and shoot. So there was this like weird mix of fantasy trying to do stuff with, you know, four wide outs or whatever. And Bobby making him do two tight end stuff. Right. And I think Bobby has kind of looked at the different way to do things 
and has kind of modified what he wants to do based on the way college football is going, if that makes sense. Yeah, makes right. perfect sense. So, Andrew, of course, the Brent here, what, uh, what we always like to do for these pods is we, we put out the call for questions. And, and we put it on and, Twitter. Yeah. We also put it on egress. And, Are there any Star Wars questions this time? Unfortunately, no Star Wars questions. <laughs> Damn, that's um, my wheelhouse. That is your wheelhouse. <laughs> so, do you think Baby Yoda is related to the actual Yoda from The Mandalorian? I think it might be a clone, okay, oh, okay. of the Yoda, all right? Okay. And I think that baby Yoda is going to die a, a cruel death. Yeah, see, that will devastate my daughters. Um, uh, well, hey, I'm sorry for your daughters, <laughs> but if you heard Warner, Warner Herzog, which by the way, that guy's a madman, but he was talking about how devastating it was. Like, how, who says that on the red carpet? Like, that's weird. So, uh, but uh, we, there's a question for you on egress, but I figured before I ask you that, you have kind of a funny egress story because egress kind of became a little bit of the animal that it is now during the era when you were playing. Oh yeah. I think you, you, of course you had shared <laughs> and this, this kind of, I think this kind of like, you know, parlays into uh, cat week because I think you've, you've told some funny eager stories about uh, the team and uh, doing some, doing some uh, reverse uh, recon and stuff like mm-hmm. that egress. So if, uh, if you could share one of those stories again. Yeah, so actually, um, <laughs> I was reminded of this today because uh, someone reached out to me asking if I heard any information from Bozeman. <laughs> and I just started laughing because it reminded me when I was playing there, like Bobby told me, he's like, you're my inside guy this week. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. You know, I was like, what does that mean? He's like, I want you to like text guys that you know in Bozeman and anyone that you can tell them that this player is injured, tell them that that play, this player is suspended. Just make up a bunch of stuff. You can put it wherever you want. Just make up as much stuff as you want. So I'm over here like te- texting like Bobby Daly, Dane Fletcher, and you know, Chase Gazzaro and, Oh man, yeah. Uh, I don't know if this guy's gonna play. You know, <laughs> this guy got suspended. Um, and then I decided, like, hey, we're just gonna make up a bunch of fake egress profiles, and we're just gonna say a bunch of crazy stuff on there about <laughs> about all these players getting suspended um, or caught and doing the most ridiculous things. So we just kept on making up the most ridiculous stories that that you could think of. And I had a good college roommate Thomas Bauer who played linebacker and we make up stories about how like Severin Campbell got caught shoplifting a gallon of milk at a town pump and he goes he's out this week and the people on Egris were so upset like man did they take it seriously I think I got said someone was going to sue me for libel or slander or something <laughs> like that I was, I was like okay so how, how aware were you and the players of the week-to-week Egris posting? Uh, Good question. <laughs> uh, so we were aware. Um, I, I think I talked to Brent at, like, Chow Mambo one time about this. Yeah, yeah. Like, like way, way back. Like, Ferreter's Fundraiser, I think. Yeah, know. yeah. The one ball, the Ferreter's Fundraiser aptly named the One Ball Pub Crawl. Oh, my God. I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because testicular cancer. So yeah. that was a great night. We raised a lot of money for him. But uh, he, here's the thing about Egris and what I talked to Brent about at the time. Um, 
you see things like if you're a, a bench rider like I was most of my career, and you see flattering things written about someone that you know is not good, it really pisses you off, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so like all, everyone on the team knows who's good. You know, no, it's not a mystery. You, you play with them every day. So like it, when you have someone like, oh, this guy just came in and, you know, not to call out names, Reggie Bradshaw had a great practice. And I'd be like, screw that, man. That guy was terrible, you know? Not sorry, Reggie, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> but that's the, that's the what, you know, I felt uh, at the time. So like, yeah, you're aware of it. Um, and it motivates you or makes you angry or you ignore it. But um, everyone, I can tell you, everyone on that team has read something from Egris before. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. Because pick a name out of a hat. Someone will walk in and be like, did you hear what they were saying on the message boards? (laughs) 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 You're just like, wow, that's crazy. So, Uh, But you know about it. Do you think that Bobby is a guy that watches all the, the media about the team and reads all the media about the team, or do you think he's a guy that ignores it? Um, I think he is keenly aware of what his players are saying and what other teams are saying about his team. I don't think he cares what anyone on Egris is saying about, <laughs> about anything. Let's, right? hope, I, let's hope he doesn't. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't think he, he gives a shit at all. Um, but if, if someone of his, one of his players messes up and says the word great, uh, which by a little, little, uh, in inside info for you guys, you notice that everyone says he's a good team and they're a good player. That's not a mistake. Bobby trains you to do that. Okay. Like you're not allowed in media to say anything other than they're good they're a good team. He's a good player. If you use the word great, you get in trouble. I remember Cole Burquist one time said that one of our own players was great and he had to run the M. So, <laughs> so it was in the Missoulian. He said someone did a great job and he had to run the M. It's, it's all by the side. Damn so, that QB and team leader pumping up his teammates. Yeah, no, you, you're not allowed. You're not allowed. Which is, you know what? That's maybe brings us back full circle. Maybe that's why no one else tells stories on Twitter. Maybe they're still scared. Bobby's going to come out and make them run the M. <laughs> he's he's going to show up on their door. <laughs> um, Andrew, you so you graduated high school in 2003. You redshirt in 2004. And then you go on and have, you know, four seasons, 05, 06, 07, 08. And I don't know if we did a good enough job talking about how great the Grizz teams were that in that era. Mm-hmm. In your four years, you guys went 45 and 9 and 28 and 3 in conference, including mm-hmm. four playoff appearances, a semifinals, and a national championship. Mm-hmm. In that stretch, can you talk about maybe some of the best players that you played with? Best. Um, I mean, shoot, that, that 07 team um, was really, really good. Um, you can just pick out anyone from that team, really. 
Um, they were all good players, uh, great players even. Um, uh, from like athletically, uh, Tough Harris was the most athletic player I ever played with. And I don't, I don't think that was close. Um, Tough was a freak of nature when it came to, he could do anything. Um, and I, Coulter Nuanez interviewed me about this when he was getting in, inducted in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. But Tough, Bobby was pissed that no one could return a punt. They kept, we kept muffing them in like 06. And so he's, Bobby just during stretch was like, who can catch a punt? You know? And I'm like scared to death. I'm like, no way. You know? And Tuff's just like, hey, I think I can do it. So he just goes back there like during stretch and catches like three punts. And Bobby's like, okay, you're our punt returner. And then the next week he returns a punt for a touchdown. But <laughs> <So, laughs> like, like, Tuff, Tuff could do absolutely anything. Um, this is most athletic uh, player I've ever, ever been around. Um, real, real quick, um, we had this conversation, I think, last week about returning punts and how scary it was. You had, I think, two punt returns for 18 yards in your career. Can you talk about how scary it is? <laughs> I, one was on a reverse that got called back, I think. And another one, I think I picked up a fumble, maybe? So um, you were never the guy, like, no. sitting back there. Okay. Yeah. Here's a good story I don't think I've ever told on Twitter. This is a Grizz Fan Pod exclusive. All right. <laughs> um, Bobby, like, you, you get to the point where – like Bobby, me and his relationship, my senior year was really good, especially from special teams because I love special teams so much. And I got hurt and I came back and he took me off of special teams. Um, and then I, uh, I, I blocked a punt against Eastern Washington. I told him never to take me off special teams again. So he left, left me on. Um, it just became to the point where he trusted me a lot uh, between my junior and senior years uh, on stuff like that. So there is a return, a reverse punt return that he would run. He hadn't run it since University of Colorado. And he had run it like three times in his life. And he goes, Schmidt, the, this play has never not gone for a touchdown. Okay, it's gone for a touchdown every time. So pressure's on. So I'm thinking like, oh, fuck. Like, here we go. Like, I was, we're, he's like, we're going to run it against the Cats, Cat Grizz. This is 2007. <laughs> I'm like, I'm making jokes with my friends. Like, uh, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hide like a, like a something sharp in the north side of the end zone of Bobcat Stadium. I'm going to return the punt for a touchdown, and I'm going to stab that stupid Bobcat that they run out of it. I'm just going to deflate it in front of everyone. <laughs> um, you know, just like just maybe making fun of like all the different things that I could possibly do. Um, so, <laughs> in reality, I was just nervous as hell. And uh, come game time, Bobby calls the play. They're kicking, you know, north to south, and I'm supposed to like wait for a second to make sure that the punter uh, catches the ball because if he like fumbles it all, it at all, then it's going to mess up the timing. And then we don't want to give away that we're going to run that play. So I go, I look, the punter like fumbles the ball on the ground. So I wait. And then he like, I think it's going to get blocked, but he picks it up and then punts it away. And I'm like, oh shit. So I start running back. Mariani catches the punt, runs at me. And then he laterals the ball forward 
and we it called for like a 15 yard penalty for whatever the or whatever the penalty is for forward illegal forward pass uh-huh. you get tackled after how many ever yards that you probably mentioned um and it does not go for a touchdown <laughs> bobby lets me know about that all the time but I mean, that all was Mark's fault. That's not your fault. No, he said I left too early. And I was like, Coach, or I left, I left too late. You left too late. You messed the whole thing up. And he will not let me live it down. I'm like, of the four times he's run it, three have gone for touchdowns. The one that didn't was because of me. Well, it's interesting you bring up Mark because we were talking right before this aside about the great athletes that you played with. You played with Mark, you played with Shan Schillinger, you played with Lex Hilliard, Chase Reynolds, mm-hmm. uh, Colt Anderson. You played with a bunch of dudes who went to the league. and All Montana guys, right? All Montana dudes right there. Can you talk about like what makes some of these dudes special? Um, I can kind of go down a line. Um, Mark was like the fastest person I've ever played with. Um, also very strong-willed. So he came in as a true walk-on as, as opposed to an invited walk-on. So he had to wait till school started to join the team. He wasn't there for fall camp. And then like, as soon as he got the opportunity, he was just fast. And he was able to make like all the catches during practice and burn starting receiver cornerbacks. Um, and he's just a relentless dude. Um, you got to have that to make it to the league. But I mean, speed couldn't teach his speed, man. He was fast. Um, Colt is most hard nosed, fearless player I've ever played around. He doesn't care if you're like a 290 pound lineman, he's going to hit you in the mouth before you're ready. Um, Lex was probably the most athletic, uh, player, uh, like full complete all around, like, football player I've been around. I mean, that dude could run, catch, block. He, he could do everything. It's the most complete probably football player I've been. And then Chase, uh, I, don't, I, don't people, I don't think people realize how like strong um, Chase was for his size. Like the guy was 180 pounds maybe, um, and he just would not go down. Um, he, he had such a strong attitude and like a way of running the football that um, it just made him different. And his vision was great. And I remember this is like during spring ball, he took a run down the left sideline and a corner came at him in pursuit and hit him out of bounds. And we were watching it on tape. And at the time coach Hudson was our coach uh, running backs coach. And he goes, yeah, I probably could have made that cutback all the way across the field and scored, you know, and he's kind of like Reggie Bush did against Fresno state that won him the Heisman and, uh, coach Hud goes, what cut that cut right there. If you could make that cut, you wouldn't be at Montana. And we all kind of laughed and chase did not think it was funny. Like chase was going to make that cut. And he ended up <laughs> ended up doing it. Like he ended up doing it for the Grizz. Like he was, he was that good. Where he's like, no, I'm not going to pr- prove you wrong. Like I can do that. Um, that's what made Chase special. Like out of those guys, these guys were all special, man. All Montana kids that just they're just different. You know, you can tell a different player when you play with them every day. Like those guys were all different. All deserve to be in the league. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, Andrew, we got you here because it's Cat Week and we had a lot of people asking us for you to share Woo! some of your best memories uh, from uh, of, uh, that you recall from Grizz Cat Games. So turn it back over to you. And, um, what's your favorite memories? Uh, man. Well, first of all, I love this rivalry. Like, it's, and it's one kind of that, special for you because you're from you're from, from Bozeman. Yeah, it's one it's one of those ones that, as they say, it really makes your piss hot, man. Like, <laughs> the, 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 like the fan bases hate each other so much, um, and it's great. Uh, the players, I always tell people, the players, like we're all friends, man. Like all these guys, like we played in the state in the same all star games together, mm-hmm. same high school teams. Like we're all kind of friends, and I all wish them well. But the like everything outside of it, it's magnified. So you, you've got bragging rights on the line and you're going to do everything you can to win that game. So uh, everything gets amped up just a little bit more. Um, and when you win that game, oh my God, it doesn't feel so good to, you know, be like, pick your shit up and go home. Like <laughs> you guys suck. Um, and ex- especially when you beat them in, in the litter box. Oh man. It's a, it's a great feeling, but, uh, favorite memories, uh, from when I played, uh, going out in those throwbacks was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, 2008, right? 2008. No one knew about it, uh, until like we heard rumors. I remember me and, uh, well, the offensive lineman would go out to dinner every like Wednesday, Thursday, something like that Thursday. And we heard rumors from like some boosters that something was going to happen. And we didn't know until we showed up at our meeting and Bobby pulled the uniforms out of a bag. The whole like meeting room went crazy. But the craziest thing about that game was like, there was a delay in the roar of the crowd. Like we, we ran out of the tunnel and usually it's just a roar like right away. But it was like, we ran out of the tunnel and everyone was like looking around like, wait, wait, what, what are, oh, throwbacks. And then everyone went crazy. <laughs> yep. um, that was a really cool moment. And especially, you know, wearing those and, you know, putting our foot up their ass, like, what was it? 35 to three. Yep. That was, that was an awesome, awesome game. It's fun. Um, Cause you, you hear uh, some of their players or their coaches have said, you know, publicly after the fact, like, we knew when they came out in those uniforms and the crowd went nuts that we weren't winning. What's funny though, is I, I knew because I knew someone who was like a student worker in the equipment room. And so they knew that the team had, someone had paid for these jerseys. Mm-hmm. And so they were getting them all ready and kind of working on a plan. But, you know, she swore me the secrecy, but I, went to the game and we, we brought an old Grizz colored blanket mm-hmm. and the person sitting next to us is, who we've sat next to forever and still do was like, why do you have that? You know, it's like, <laughs> and I was like, trust me, you're going to, you're going to, they're, they're wearing their jerseys. They're, they're wearing, he's like, no, they're not. Cause you guys were warming up in the maroon ones. Oh yeah. But with no, it, with no pads. Of them. Exactly. Like <laughs> you know, they're not taped up. They're not wearing pads. Well, it was funny. Like, didn't you send out like three freshmen for the coin toss? Even? No, no. We sent out our injured players, Carl Pitcher, 
was done for the year. Dan Carter was another player done for the year, but they were still around with the team, and we sent them out as captains um, in, the, in the silver helmets. Um, and I think they didn't have pads on it, or they had, like, the most ridiculous pads you can imagine. <laughs> They're all wearing the hunter's helmet with one. Yeah. And we, yeah. And we were told to keep back in the helmet, like further, further, further. They, we don't want anyone to see anything. But like we, uh, like we had some players who were like, hey, this might be an option. Like we don't know. So a bunch of players went and bought yellow tape. Um, so everyone could tape up the way that with the things just in case it did happen. And luckily it did. Like it was, that experience was was really really cool and uh to your point that they didn't know or they thought they were going to lose when we came out that was rob ash's first cat grizz if you remember right oh it was and i knew players on their team and they were telling me after the fact like we went skiing or something and they're like uh yo uh rob ash we knew like he didn't know what the hell he was getting himself into like wow it was a big difference between him and Kramer mm-hmm. because like Kramer would tell you, uh, I think the exact words were, I don't give a fuck if you get uh, three personal foul calls in the first quarter of the game, you guys are going to get amped for this. So he would tell his players just to go crazy. And if you get a flag, you get a flag. And Kramer knew the magnitude of the game, but Ash like apparently was treating it like it was just another game. And <laughs> when we came out, uh, uh, the, the look on Ash's face and all the players around the huddle just kind of looked around and were like, yeah, we're screwed. <laughs> and they didn't have like a quarterback at the time, if you remember right, too. Like they were like using a weird like third string quarterback that wasn't on the team. Before. It was something like they, they just didn't have anything, enough talent to go around that year. I actually remember that they played like a they played they converted a wide receiver and the week going in like the kid apparently had an offer from both Montana State and Montana and he was making some comments like I chose the cats they're the better program the <laughs> club thing and Bobby made sure to bring that up that he definitely remembers these comments <laughs> and they're going to show him which team is the better team so yeah, yeah so that, that really backfired for him um little insight for, from you what is what is Bobby like with the team this week? He said publicly before that he doesn't love to let outside people come talk to the team. So what's he like during cat week? Um, everything's locked down, right? I think that they don't allow media availability until like today's the only day, right? I think so. So yeah, he locks it down. Um, class is more or less optional on cat week. Um, you're going to be watching extra tape everything is going to be heightened in terms of your responsibility and not messing up and getting everything perfect in practice. So uh, Bob, Bobby has this thing where it's like after Thursday, you're in the final 48 of preparation. So like final 48, we're going to lock it in. We're going to watch extra tape. We're going to attention to detail, like all these little things that we need to do. It's the final 48, like that whole week. So there, there are people in there, the people that need to be getting treatment are getting extra treatment. People that are watching tape are watching extra tape. Like everyone is getting your workouts in early so you can spend more time on it. Like it's a, it's a big deal. And to say that it's just another game, um, when anyone ever says, says that, they're just trying to play it down because it's not. 
it's not just another game. It's, it's cat week. Like <laughs> this thing, this thing matters more than any other game. And if you could go 10 and one and lose this game and it's going to ruin your season. And that's the God's honest truth, because I'll, I'll tell you guys from experience. Um, when I was there, I was in Montana five years. Uh, we were four and one, my five years there. Four, four wins feel great. And I wouldn't trade them for anything. Like they were wonderful wins. That one loss, it sticks to you. Like it feels like shit. And you don't want one of those on your resume. You don't. Hmm. Anything else you think uh, our listeners should know? <laughs> I mean, what, what do they want to know? Like uh, I'm here open book. Um, well, we're going to turn it over to Luke and we just want the world to know that none of these questions have gone through our legal department. So. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. I, as I say on Twitter, uh, if you guys want to know something, I will tell you. Um, <laughs> like you just have to ask the question because I don't remember everything unless you jog my memory. Now, Andrew, I was wondering like a, I have this like quarterback alpha male test. Um, okay. Okay. That's really demonstrated by a, a hypothetical. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Uh, quarterback alpha male test. Sounds like you should have a sponsor, like four hymns or something like that. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> keep going. I like where your head's at. <laughs> okay. So like, let's pretend you've broken your right ankle and mm-hmm. it's in a boot. So you can't drive. Um, so you're hanging out with a bunch of quarterbacks and you need food and you're with the following five guys, Andrew Sell, Cole Burquist, Jeff Disney, and Josh Swagger. Who who drives the SUV to go get food? Okay. Um, what, what, well, okay. I think I know this. Um, Swagger was married at the time. Uh, that he was in school. So he wouldn't do anything besides go to Double Front Chicken. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, it's, uh, like, I don't want to, I don't think I'm saying anything got a turn. Like, he loved that place. And he didn't go out at all. Uh, he's married and be home with his wife, which I think would be standard. Um, uh, if it, you take him out, I think, I think Sell's driving because Berkowitz would make him drive. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Disney. that's the answer. It's like yeah, Disney for sure. Male is who's the one controlling the vehicle of all the well, quarterbacks you played with? You're saying Cole's so alpha that he makes someone else drive? Uh, well, you see, I think Swagger wouldn't even like get in the car. I think Swagger would be gone. Oh no! I, I think. Well, I think Swagger's doing something else. Like, hey man, my my wife called. I'm home at six or at the chicken restaurant. Um, <laughs> I think it leaves that leaves Disney, Burquist, and Cell, uh, and I think Disney would be so indifferent to the whole thing that he would be in the back seat, and Burquist would be like, "Hey, I want a drink, or grab a beer." Like, Cell, you're driving. Cell, <laughs> Cell was his like backup, right? Um, f- funny, funny story. Now that I remember this, this is how this goes: a stream of consciousness here. Uh, Jeff Disney um, was not a fan of Bobby. Um, I think he came in as a Glenn guy, um, as a JC transfer. I may, might be mistaken. 
but he lost a job to Oaks, right? So every day at practice, like you do a, you know, two minute drill and the ones would go and then the twos would go. So Oaks would go down, he'd lead the team, <laughs> throw a bunch of good passes. We'd get into field goal range and Carp would hit a field goal. And we'd be like, all right, two's up. And Disney would get out there and he was just so over it <laughs> that, that he would uh, take the snap, throw it right at a linebacker as hard as he could and walk off the field. <laughs> throw <a> pick. <laughs> You're like, I'm done. <laughs> like, screw you, Bobby. Yeah, that was Disney. Okay. <laughs> Which I believe he's a cop in, uh, in California now. So, you know, thank you for your service, I guess. <laughs> okay, so Andrew, pretend you're 20 year, 21 years old again. It's midnight. It's Saturday in the spring. You're probably at home playing video games. I'm either at Mo Club or Stocks, but keep going. <laughs> oh, you know, you're, you can see where this is going. <laughs> uh, so you're in your room playing video games, and you hear – uh, a little commotion. A couple guys have come into your apartment. Uh, then you hear a knock at your bedroom door and a teammate's voice that says, Andrew, we're going to stocks. <laughs> Whose voice do you hear? Oh, Berkowitz for sure. <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely Burke. Um, so uh, yeah there so okay andrew while you think about it this brand here my neighbor is jr waller and once or twice a year that happens to me (laughs) (laughs) that's still oh jr i love jr uh jr is hilarious um also like is uh low-key like the best shit talker (laughs) like he's a low-key shit talker um (laughs) they'll just get under your skin like Slowly but surely. So I is hilarious. I golf with JR and another neighbor, and I'm not as good as JR and the neighbor, but those two are pretty close to each other. Mm-hmm. And if we're playing 18 holes and we get the hole 16 and they are within a stroke or two of each other, JR has had this slow burn going with the other guy. His name is Drew. <laughs> and it all comes out. And then suddenly it'll be like, hey, Drew, you know, two holes ago, I don't think I gave you that putt. And then they'll st- and then they'll just start start just like chipping and chipping and by hole seventeen they're like fuck you fuck you and then yeah. <laughs> and then Drew shoots a double bogey and Jared Birdie's it and then talks that, that sounds like team. it sounds like Jr. I mean it, I, I pointed out on Twitter the other day that comment that he made about Justin Hartman oh was was murder um and it's funny because i can imagine jr saying it with that little sly grin that he has on his face and looking at you all side-eyed and like saying yeah this guy can't throw and just like laughing that's jr report the murder to jeff disney (laughs) yeah yeah but uh like back to your i was gonna say is that there used to be this thing called social wednesday i don't know if they do it anymore um but it started with Tim Houck and like that whole generation, they would go to the cave, which turned into AMVETS to turn into, I don't know what it is now. Monks um, Bar, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, your hardest practice of the week is Wednesday. And then that's when players go out Wednesdays because you don't want to risk a two day hangover by going out on Thursday. Uh, Friday's obviously the night before the game. You can't do that. You can't go out on Tuesday because you have a hard practice on Wednesday. So Wednesday's the day, right? 
and Thursday is just practice, like perfect plays. So you go out on Wednesday nights and that always upperclassmen kind of would lead it. And uh, by the end of my time there, that was mostly me and Berkwist. So um, <laughs> Ber- Berkwist would be the one knocking at my door. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Andrew, I really like following your Twitter account, especially around the holidays. <laughs> after after Rand Paul's neighbor, what's it like being the number two worst neighbor of all time? <laughs> all right, hold on. <laughs> this is actually a Twitter question we had too. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay, here here's the deal. What do you have against Halloween? <laughs> it's like the best holiday of the year. I mean, this. I mean, maybe, yeah, I can't think of one. Fourth of July is nice because it's summertime, but come on, Halloween. For our listeners who don't know what's going on, um, Andrew goes balls balls out for decorations, and he's got some neighbors. Describe it. Uh, Yeah, so um, last year, I, like, was really excited um to be in my neighborhood for halloween because it's just it's a nice neighborhood and all these houses are nice and close together and i was thinking like oh man uh if i had this neighborhood in montana it would be great i could hit all these houses up um i also live in a place with a lot of old people like not a retirement community i mean like it's just like an older generation uh and so they don't really do halloween so i was really excited and i got like one trick-or-treater last year and i was so pissed off and I was like, these goddamn kids are going to come to my house and get some goddamn candy. Uh, <laughs> it was the last thing I do. So what's nice is I have a girlfriend who really likes Halloween too. And so we decided to like just go crazy with it. And we want our house to look like the annoying house on the block with as many Halloween decorations as you can. Like, I don't know how much money I spent on Halloween decorations. It was a lot. But it came out great. Well, we put it up like in the middle of September, you know, just to get a little, see if everything worked. And we got a letter that said like, we don't appreciate your (laughs) theme park style attractions uh, six weeks before Halloween, like consider your neighbors and put it up close to Halloween. So, I mean, we figure we'll double it and put them up uh, Labor Day next year. Um, (laughs) But seriously, fuck those guys. Like it's it's Halloween. (laughs) Like, how dare you? Like, it's it's all fun. Like, we have the coolest house on the block for when it comes to Halloween. And that person, they they sent an anonymous letter. They didn't post or they didn't uh, leave a return address. And they didn't hand deliver it. They put it in the goddamn mail for the mailman to deliver. Talk about some pansies that don't want to know that they sent that annoying ass letter. Like, shame on you. Come up to my door and say, your Halloween decorations suck. I'll respect you more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How many weeks of training before you think you could play for the Gears again? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, I don't don't think any amount of training would ever get me. Dude, I'm about to be 34 years old. People (laughs) retire... Running backs retire from the NFL well before that. 
Hey, Frank Gore is still going strong. <laughs> Frank Gore is going to the Hall of Fame three yards at a time. You're right. So um, let's, let's say Andrew Schmidt is back for the Grizz this year. How big of a problem with your uh, long hair is Bobby Hopp going to have? <laughs> I don't think Bobby has that, uh, that much problem with it, uh, with long hair. Um, he will make fun of you for it. Uh, it's, so <laughs> I did grow my hair out, uh, recently, uh, I was, I was donating it for, uh, locks of love. Um, and I went to the spring game, Bobby's first spring game. And he saw me with it. And the first words out of his <laughs> mouth were, what the hell is on your head? Um, <laughs> uh, so you'd have a problem with it. Um, but you know, maybe part of being on this podcast can lead others to do the same thing I do every, every uh, groundhog day, every year I do something for charity kind of like as a reference to groundhog day, the movie where you can't proceed with the day until you do something yourself list for one another. So every year I, uh, on groundhog day, I do something, whatever it is, donate blood, you know, time, clothing, soup, kitchen, whatever, uh, that year it was donating hair. So yeah, if you guys can do it, great. I think it's a great way. And plus, you watch Groundhog Day during the day, and then you do something for others at night. But that was the whole reason for the long hair. I do not have it anymore. That's pretty. That's a pretty cool thing. I also didn't know that that was the uh, takeaway from Groundhog Day. <laughs> what do you think it was? I thought it was he got the woman to fall in love with him in oh, a day, which is like crazy if you think about it. That actually, the way you say that makes it sound kind of rapey. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's, well, well, that's what Michael took away. If from you this. rewatch that movie and you think about it in the context of how much more he knows about her than she knows about him, because he's relived the day a million times, it is a little creepy. A little yeah, creepy. but here's the thing: we can get into movies here. And make this the Grizz movie pod here in a second. <laughs> <laughs> he tries that earlier and like lists all of her favorite things. You know, you're like, right. Can I get a sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist? Reminds me of Rome, the sun bouncing off the buildings in the late afternoon. He tries all that, right? And she slaps him. Yeah, she slaps him every time at the end. So it's not about making her fall in love as much as it is at that day. I mean, what does he do? He, he tries to save an old man's life, saves a kid from falling, like jacks old lady's uh, car up to change their tire, uh, gets kids WrestleMania tickets, donates himself for a date. Uh, yeah, he does everything for charity, which is what I take away um, with it. The way you make it seem, it would really change what I do every February 2nd. <laughs> we'll go with yours. <laughs> I, I recently saw something about that movie where people were trying to estimate how long he spent living the same day over and over again. And to become an expert at all the things he became an expert at, they were ballparking like 30 years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be miserable, wouldn't that it? Would be awful. I'm guessing it would take Mike longer to learn that lesson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, boy. Yeah. I, it's, I mean, that movie's fun, but I don't, I, I like the takeaway. I don't actually like wanting to be <laughs> in the movie. So, Let's shift it back for one last question for you. Um, given that it's it's Cat Week and you are from Bozeman High, the uh, go Hawks, go Hawks. Um, um, the Grizz have a true freshman quarterback named Chris Brown. Uh, 
from Bozeman. Cats, mm-hmm. I don't think, even offered him. Mm-hmm. What do you think the chances are that Bobby Houck wants Chris Brown to score a touchdown? All five years he could possibly score it with this new red, sh- red shirt rule. We've been bouncing this idea around. I, um, okay, so Bobby is well aware of the players on, a, on his team that are from Bozeman. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he will give you an opportunity, but not, I mean, just one. Like, if you haven't earned his trust, he's probably not going to do it, you know, especially for a red shirt or a yeah. true freshman. He's not going to, like, put you in. Um, now, if they're up by 50, he might, you know. Um, I, I think, what was it? It was 2007. We were beating them there. And I remember O'Day went up to Bobby on the sideline and was like, we should get Schmidt in here for a carry or two. And I think Bobby's response was, fuck, I gave him the reverse. (laughs) 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 So, so I, you know, like I, I, he's well aware, but like, he's, he's good. I think he's probably still pissed off about that. He didn't want to like put me in at running back. So, so like, I, I don't think he's going to put him in, you know, the thought process would be because, he's well aware of how crappy the Bobcat QB situation is. <laughs> and that he's got his, I'm just, I don't know. Like the, their quarterback situation is weird, but it's better than it was last year. Right. I mean, I don't sure. think he's, I don't think he's going to was doing any of that last year when he was up before that lead got taken away. You know, like well, I, last year, Chris Brown was in high school. So right. <laughs> what, what my takeaway is, you're telling me there's a chance. So <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. I mean, it's it's funny. I was, I watched both press conferences today, and uh, I was just thinking that, man, if this were a different universe, Bobby and Choate would be best friends. Like those two guys are like the same person. Like they would be. It'd be like a buddy cop movie, you know. Um, so true. Like, you know, I just or Turner and Hooch and Choate would be Hooch. I don't know. <laughs> so it, it, they would just they would be friends. And the only difference is like Choate likes to talk in press conferences and Bobby doesn't. Uh, it's like the the only two differences. Um, but I, I think both of them know how big the game is, and if you know if they can win it and then do something like that. Um, they will, but to, to, I guess to answer your question, in 2007, Bobby was like, uh, first of all, well, let me back up. Bobby had one of his daughters in 2007, like in October. Um, and after he had his daughter, he like brought out cigars um, for the team because he had a, like a kid. So some of us kept because no one really smokes cigars in college, you know, like it's just kind of weird. And uh, he made a comment leading up to Cat uh, Grizz where he goes, uh, he goes, guys, I swear to God, uh, let me hang 50 on them. Like, I swear to God, I will run the score up and put 50 on them. And then he like stops and he says, and smoke a fucking cigar on the 50. Right. So, <laughs> If you watch that game back, if you watch highlights, we go, we win. And Bobby was definitely, near the end he wasn't, but he was trying to pour it on him. 
um, after we win, you'll see a lot of players grab cigars from like under the bench that he had given us for the birth of his kid and pull them out. I remember Craig Mettler had it in his mouth on the 50 <laughs> after we beat them so bad. So like Bobby's not above that, you know, he's not above <laughs> running, running it up on them. Um, I just don't think he's going to play a freshman just to rub it in their face because well, I, trust the freshman. I would tell you, he set a precedent for it this year because he's, he played the true freshman from Cheney, Cheney yeah. against Eastern Washington. No, maybe he will. A little bit different D lineman. Who's good. I mean, he could, if they weren't trying to save his red shirt, he'd be, in our regular D-line rotation, yeah, yeah. McGoran, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, you know right away, like, what, Eastern was a home game, right? Yep. Okay, so everyone uh, dresses but the red shirts, usually at home games. Usually red shirts don't travel with the team. Um, for Cat Grizz, they, they go down and you get – you don't travel with the team, but you get your jerseys, and then if you want to be on the sideline, you can be on the sideline with your jerseys, no pads or anything. So you'll know right away if he's dressed out. Right. Um, that's not a normal thing for him to do. Um, but you never know. With injuries, he might dress a lot more quarterbacks. Who knows? Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. He, yeah, he dressed when Sneed was out, so he did dress. Hey, hey, there you go. So you guys know more than me. We'll I'm see. Just a, I'm just a casual Twitter poster. <laughs> well please keep it up we enjoy it <laughs> no problem at all guys we had some comments well thanks so much i wish we could just keep going with you but we get a lot of crap for how long these pods are and this is already going to be a long one yeah, we're <laughs> yeah, so. but anyway hey thanks for taking the time to uh to chat with us we really appreciate it and uh we, we really can't stress enough that people should follow you for entertainment. <laughs> hey, yeah, follow follow me for uh, me making jokes on Twitter. The handle is Spectacular. You can catch me sometimes playing video games on Twitch. Same handle. You can follow my Instagram on my uh, my Pomeranian Snickers. Period. The Pom. If you want to see cute Pomeranian pictures, that's all Twitter uh, Instagram's good for. <laughs> uh, and I do. I do. In fact, have a Pomeranian. It's hilarious. Uh, it's a little little thing that uh, just follows me wherever I go. For someone who like played football, it's the most ridiculous dog you could have, which is wonderful. Um, so yeah, those those are my handles. I'll see you guys at Cat Grizz. I'll be up there. Um, if any questions at all, just hit me up on Twitter. Sounds good. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. Yeah. Take care, guys.